You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which is less than two weeks away as of this recording, um, as well as The Mandalorian and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. But today, we have the final installment of our Skywalker Saga rewatch, our commentary episodes leading up to Episode 9. We are finally at The Last Jedi. Uh, I know a lot of you guys have been waiting for it. We've been waiting for this one. It's going to be a fun time. Um, As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? This is it. We've made it to the end. It's kind of bittersweet in a way because it's been a blast doing these commentaries and going to sad to see it end with this one. Well, we'll do Rise of Skywalker when that hits. Oh, yeah, of course. But the fact that we're at the end now means, like you said, Rise of Skywalker is just right around the corner and I could not be more excited about that and plus I think we said it on almost every commentary we did about oh just wait till we get to the last Jedi commentary just wait Mm -hmm. till we get to the last Jedi commentary for tons of discussions and debates that I'm sure we're gonna have so yeah this is gonna be a fun one you know we don't have to watch this right now. We could probably put on one of the Ewok movies instead. Oh, I know please. Oh, yet. please. <laughs> they didn't even know, think those were point. important enough to put on Disney Plus. You Which know, is a mistake. <laughs> it, it, exactly. Let's not, let's not get into the how much of a mistake that is right now. That's not the time or the place. That's for the regular show. We got to talk about this movie. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, but <laughs> like you said, half hours. <laughs> like you said, Tim, this is not actually going to be our last commentary episode because, of course, we're going to do one for the Rise of Skywalker as well. But that won't be till sometime next year after it's out on Blu-ray and all that. Um, but yeah, this is the last of our uh, 2019 countdown to the Rise of Skywalker. I cannot believe that that movie's coming out next week. Um, and by the time this episode actually goes out, it'll probably be like seven days or less until. Uh, until it's time to go see it. But um, anyway, let's, uh, you know, without further ado, get this thing started, shall we? Yeah, let's, let's start it. Actually, you know what I want to do real quick before we start? Um, just so people kind of get a sense for anyone that, you know, maybe is kind of new or has had a hard time keeping track of our thoughts on this movie because I'm sure they're all over the place. Um, don't go into detail because that's what we're about to do with the commentary, but just... If, let's all give like a real brief summary of your thoughts on this movie right now before we go. Just overall, like two sentence thoughts on the movie. Tim, go ahead. 
Um, I I said after several viewings that I love this movie. I think I still stand by that. There's some stuff that we'll get into that I'm not a fan of, but overall, I like this movie's place as the eighth chapter in the Skywalker saga. So take that as you will. Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, I I have mixed feelings, but generally positive. Um, there's some stuff I love. There's some stuff I don't love as much. But um, yeah, overall, I would, you know, if you have to split it into two camps, I would say that I'm in the camp of people that have positive feelings on this movie. Definitely not as much as some. I mean, there's some people that really love this movie and would rank it near the top. But um, yeah, it's it's more good than bad for me. I am literally directly in the middle about this movie. And I know a lot of people think I am very negative on this movie. And I think a, a big part of that reason why is because I get so I get, I, I get so frustrated when people act like this movie is borderline just like there's not there's no divisiveness to this movie. And it, get, it gets so frustrating when I see people have that reaction to this. Like it's a minority of people who don't like this movie. It's like, well, that's not real. And um, I just hate the people that try to shut out when who have legitimate problems with this movie. They try to shut that out and say, well, you're, you're the minority. It's like, no, 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 I'm not. We're actually, it's actually kind of in the middle. Cause, or if you don't like this movie or it's, or if you're like me, there's elements that you love about this movie and there's elements that you hate in this movie. And there's elements that you like and there's elements you don't like where you don't really like them enough to love them and you don't hate them or don't like them enough to hate them. And it's that's where I am literally all over this movie. And as we do this commentary, I will tell you the moments that I like, well, just whatever. And there's moments, you know, where I, I you know, yeah, it, you, you'll, I'll take you on a journey as we talk this, about this movie. <laughs> so we got this will be this will be interesting nonetheless. Yeah, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stuff that we all agree on being good, maybe some stuff that we all agree on being bad, and probably a lot of stuff that we're all going to disagree on and have some fun disputes and debates about. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it. As always, uh, you know, we're watching the Blu-ray version. We're queued up at the beginning, Title One, Chapter One, so past like the FBI warnings and all that stuff, but just on the main movie section uh we're at zero out of 231 and we're gonna start on punch it ready guys oh yes all right in three two one punch it this is probably the best part of the movie right here (laughs) please (laughs) and here we go already i couldn't help it so my last chance to say it so 20 no again no 20th century fox logo and i still miss it but our saga commentaries wouldn't be complete without a mention of that logo. Nope. <laughs> I just remember going into The Last Jedi because we know how Lucasfilm does their premieres and the reviews embargo. It's always the week of the movie's release. And after the premiere on Monday and then the review embargoes, there was a pretty positive buzz surrounding The Last Jedi. I mean, everyone, from at least what I saw, was raving about it. It got positive reviews right out of the gate so but everyone kept at least the diehard star wars fans who were fortunate enough to go to the premiere was saying how this changes things that the star wars movie like no other so maybe that was a little hint of the divisiveness and the different reactions yet to come but i just remember going into it that thursday night just being extremely excited and pumped to see something that i think was going to be really special in a star wars movie like we've never seen before Mm -hmm. i can't i kind of came into this movie um 
kind of being spoiled rotten. Um, I was a uh, I was spoiled myself uh, what right before and everything I was I found out ended up being right on the this kind of for the most part uh, kind of going through different things and I'm glad I kind of knew kind of what to expect on certain things because what we get what the execution of what was you know what, what I read and and whatnot ended up probably making it worse really so. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so at least I was emotionally prepared. Now I, I am gonna say I, I want to start off also with a positive. I actually really like this opening with, with the ships coming up here. This is a really great shot and idea that, um, you know, like you're going headed toward the planet. Really cool. Mm-hmm. And that was a big mystery, or at least something I couldn't wait to find out when the movie started. Was are we gonna jump right into Octo where we left off on the Force Awakens, or? We're going to start off with something different. Oh, see, I remember predicting we were going to start with this space battle. You did predict that. Just didn't know if it would come true. (laughs) Yeah. But man, this movie, the lead up to it was so much fun, just with all the questions that we had after The Force Awakens and then that four hour trailer review episode that we did. Yeah. Just, I had so many questions and so many theories and so many things that I was speculating on um, and largely managed to stay away from spoilers and stuff going into it. Um, but I did read the reviews and stuff, which I'm going to try to avoid doing for Rise of Skywalker. For once, I just want to go in with no expectations. Like, I just want to be surprised. Um, I'll see if I can manage. I, I say I'm getting off of Twitter the day of the premiere. Um, so, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll see if I can manage that for a whole week. Yeah, but, I tried uh, to. I, I tried to avoid, even though I knew a lot about this movie going into it. I tried to avoid other people's expectations if it was good or not. And I remember the Rotten Tomato score uh, commercial came on and I covered my eyes and went, (laughs) I did not want to, you know, know anything. So, um, yeah, I, I, I I try to avoid the buzz and try to go into us into this movie as, as, you know, unbiased as possible. Yeah. See the thing, the problem for me is like, uh, my expectations are already high. I'm already really excited. But then when I see the Rotten Tomato score in the 90s and I hear people saying how amazing it is, then like it sets my expectations realistically high. And my first watch, it never lives up to that. So um, yeah. that's why I'm trying to stay away from that as much as possible with with episode nine. But and OK, here is the first indication of something. This feels a little off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I was I was just about to say here. first controversial point. Number one, how do you guys feel <laughs> about uh, tell General Hux I have a message for his mother or General Hugs? You mean? <laughs> yeah, this is something right out of the gate. I wasn't a fan of. I'm still not a fan of just the humor of it does not work for me. It just doesn't feel like Star Wars humor to me. Just, I know Ryan Johnson said he wanted to start this movie off, you know, that we're going to have some fun. There's going to be some humor in it, but that type of humor, I just felt, thought it fell flat all the what, way around. This, this, you said it best, Tim. This is exactly when I thought, what? <laughs> I, I, I just kind of, I sat in my seat saying, what is this? And it, it definitely set up for, this is not, what I was expecting and not in a good way completely. But though this part is great though. I yeah. love, I love all this afterwards but, is great, but see, I didn't mind it. Like I don't love that. You know, they're not like the funniest jokes in star Wars ever or anything like that. But I, you know, I didn't understand why some people like really hated it. Now I will agree. It 
doesn't quite feel like the Star Wars humor that we're used to. Like, it does feel a little bit out of place, but it's also kind of fun. Like, I don't know. It's just one of those things that didn't really bother me. Um, I think it goes on a little too long, too. Yeah. But then, yeah, like you said, the scene with Poe flying across the Star Destroyer, taking out all the cannons and stuff. I love all that stuff. Um, any of you guys that have listened to me talk about Battlefront and Starfighter Assault, you know how much I'm in love with this X-Wing with the booster on the back and the black paint job and everything. So getting a cool action sequence with Poe and his X-Wing right off the bat was uh, definitely a treat for me. And the Dreadnought this... is such a cool looking ship. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. I think I think that there's the one reason why I kind of you kind of forget about it or th- this scene in part of the movie is actually one of the more I I think, stronger scenes. DDA. Yeah, I think you, you kind of forget about it right away. So it's not like it sticks around. And mm-hmm. but the problem is other parts of, of that kind of humor start to come up and you start being reminded of like, what the crap is this? But <laughs> but again, but again, this opening is great. Like Captain Kennedy here is amazingly I lo- amazing. I love the fire the base. Mm-hmm. It's great. You know, I mean, this is this feels like Star Wars to me, but, you know, it's just like that humor scene just kind of puts you in a really weird spot, at least for me right away. So, um, yeah, I I do like this opening in the movie with minus the general hugs thing. Yeah, I will say, I mean, even right off the bat, like not just the humor, but. I don't know the the direction the the visuals just sort of the feel of everything you can tell it feels a little bit different and I remember watching this movie in the theater and thinking you know again probably about halfway into it even it was like with some of the stuff on Canto Bite but it wasn't Canto Bite in particular it was just about halfway through the movie and I remember having this particular thought like this doesn't really feel like the Star Wars that I'm used to and I don't know if I like it. And then I I kind of realized, but you know what? This is probably what I would have expected from a new Star Wars movie in 2019 if, like, The Force Awakens hadn't been so close to the original trilogy. It's like this is more what I was expecting a new trilogy to be like in the first place, to feel, mm. you know, similar but also a little bit different. So, um that's why I kind of like that, but then also just the fact that it's so different from sort of the tone of The Force Awakens, it's just, you know, you kind of get whiplash a little bit. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean, but going back to that moment with BB-8 there, I just love getting that look inside the X-Wing there. I mean, we know the droids are tinkering around in there in their little container or compartment there but getting the look of inside and what they can actually do and of course bba being the size that he is he can go full on in there and just work his magic but and it's like we bumped his head in there because that's what got everything going again this and and these ships are great too yeah. I wanted that, mm-hmm. I, this is the one thing i'll give ryan johnson a lot of credit the dreadnought looks different these bombers are interesting now they don't really make a lick of sense from a i don't know like whatever practical standpoint there's no but, gravity in space but, i hate that but, argument. But <laughs> me here's too the deal. here's the deal i still love them i think they're i think they're, i think they look great and i if i don't think too hard about them they're great and i you know so i i definitely want to say i want again i'm giving positive things to hear here i i love the bombers the bombers look great yeah i think that's a cool new design i mean you know, again, that's one of the things I complain about a lot in the sequel trilogy is the lack of like new ship designs and stuff. But here we get some cool new bomber designs. Um, and uh, and I yeah, like I like it, a different type of space battle, too, because I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. We, we've never really seen this where you have like a, a group of um, I mean, we've had like Y wing bombers and stuff, but these big, heavy bombers um, and like the fighters have to escort them to their target. Like, it, it, you know, it's 
cool and totally something out of like World War II, mm-hmm. um, which we all know George took in for inspiration from from the original trilogy space battles and stuff. Now, this part, because they say like bombers keep in tight formation and then they blow up one bomber and the shrapnel goes and blows up all the other bombers. So that was obviously a dumb idea. Um, but I don't know if that was in like just kind of in. I mean, obviously that was intentional, right? So like, I don't know. I know some people get really hung up on that and I'm just like, eh, well, obviously that's what they needed to happen for the story. So I I, 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 I don't even I, think about that type of stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's just over like, nitpicking certain things for what is a cool action sequence here. But well, well, I, there's a couple of things in here that it just kind of, it's a little over the top, like the, like the camera moving on the different perspectives, like right away on, on one camera move. And then later on, I'll get to it with the slow motion where like the the bombers still coming and the Captain Kenny is just like, Da-da! but it's like all <laughs> slow motion and the music's going. It's it's so over the top ridiculous. I mean, it's not even it, again. There's nothing. There's nothing really like that in Star Wars. It just this movie starts off with so many Star Wars first times ever. The humor like this, the some of the shot. The, there's a lot of slow motion. I know slow motion is not. You know, it's 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 not absent in Star Wars. Obviously, in Empire Strikes Back, it's used like right here, where he's, he's like, eh, it was like, ah! it's like it's just, it's so dramatic. I think it's way too much, in my opinion. This is where I'm. This is again in the movie where I start thinking, this is a lot different. Like I mm-hmm. I criticize JJ for being too close. This is where I think Ryan Johnson should have been like, maybe I should be more like George Lucas in this in this movie instead of more like me. But uh, but anyway, yeah, like this part right here, she grabs it. This is all very un Star Wars to me, in my opinion. I, I don't think it's bad per se, but it just it doesn't feel completely right. But I think it works though because yeah, in the, every time I saw it in the theater that moment where the remote f- flies down past Paige. Everyone gasped, like thinking, oh, like she missed it. But then when she grabs it, we know it's going to turn out okay. She's, well, unfortunately not for her, but okay in the sense she's going to complete right, her right. mission and destroy the yeah. dreadnought. But it did build that sense of tension that I think Ryan Johnson was going for there, wondering if she's going to be able to detonate those bombs with that remote. And once it falls down faster, then that, like, like I said, everyone gasps, but then has a sense of relief when she catches it. So I think his intention was it paid off for as far as having the effect I think he wanted to. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, like you said, Paul, it's something different. It's something we haven't seen in a star Wars movie before, but I kind of like that. And especially, no, yeah, the, I get it. Especially yeah. the way it's like, even, um, I can, like you were saying some of those moments where it's just really building the tension and kind of seems over the top. Like even when page falls and then you have that shot where it like pans over and it's like just on a close up of her eye, like it makes it feel like this really dramatic, intense scene. And we're like, we don't even know who these people are. But at the same time, I think it really like you were saying, Tim, it really does help to set the stakes. Like even though these are minor characters that we're just seeing at the beginning of the movie and even though, you know, things are just kicking off like there's I think they're setting the stage right off the beginning of how desperate of a situation the resistance is in like they're evacuating their base and this is all of them like they just blew up Starkiller base but now you know you're seeing the entire resistance here almost getting wiped out by the first order so it's just yeah right off the bat um, kind of setting the stakes and setting the pressure that they're going to be under well and 
also another thing that seemed kind of weird is I didn't like the fact that Snoke is some reverent like you know thing in the first uh, sequel trilogy movie and and the Force Awakens, and then it, and then Hux is like played for laughs later on when it's like so dead serious when you know the Snoke sees him in, in the first movie. It just again, it's not bad. It just kind of throws me off. And really quickly, right here with 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 John Boyega's of. Uh, the opening with John Boyega here or whatever the, the scene right now. Uh, what's interesting, the alternate opening of the movie was, was Finn, that scene with Finn waking up. That's right. As yeah. the, the, pan, the camera pans down. I gotta say, I, I'm glad I didn't, they didn't do that, but it was just interesting to see that though, too. Like it was just like, it, it was something different that I do. I will commend Ryan Johnson on that. I thought could have worked, but I, I'm glad they didn't do it, but it was interesting that he, it was going that direction. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, one of the highlights of this movie is the gorgeous cinematography, especially here on Octo. Like every time there's just a wide shot of that island with the clouds and the sunset and everything behind it, it's just like I could just watch that on a loop. And this moment right here, I remember seeing it for the first time, this huge smile on my face. Like, oh, this is what we've been waiting for, the return of Luke and touching that lightsaber. What's he going to do? And then this went... Huh. <laughs> but this is was one of those other controversial moments of the film, obviously. Mm-hmm. But and I'll say I know what Ryan Johnson was trying to go for here. Show that Luke wants nothing to do with it. He closed himself off of the forest. He doesn't want to go back. And but Kennedy done something different than just tossing that legendary lightsaber behind him. Kennedy just like frustratingly give it back to Ray or drop it just the way he casually tosses it. Just again, I know what he was going for. It still doesn't feel right. So that's another one of those things that hasn't gotten any better for me over the course of the two years. It's been out and seen it multiple times. Yeah. It's definitely one of those moments that feels more like a, almost like a wink to the audience. Like yeah, everyone cracked up. Everyone cracks up when it happens. Well, yeah, and it's he does it's that. Laugh. That's why. Well, yeah. yeah, it is. Like some people laugh. Some people are like, "Wait, what?" But he, I think that's one of those moments that like it's not totally in character. It's like him not wanting the lightsaber in, is in character, but him specifically like tossing it over his shoulder is more just to tell the audience like, "Ha, gotcha." Luke's not what you thought he was in this movie. So, um, I don't know. I mean. To me, like, again, I get the intent of it. I think it works for the character. But like you said, Tim, the the execution of it specifically is uh, feels a little off. Like, it's one of those moments that for me, like, I just I understand why some people don't like it. I don't hate it, but I also don't love it. It's just kind of like, eh, whatever. I think that that at this point in the movie, when I when when Luke throws lightsaber, I'm just kind of, huh? And and things seem just kind of something just seems off to me completely. That's when things really start coming to my realization that this is not what I was expecting, and not necessarily in a good way. Not not just because of like story wise. I'm talking about from just a like a theme and feel of this movie kind of vibe. Um, I want to point out that you made a great point about the cinematography. It is beautiful. This movie is beautifully shot. Like there's no way around that like this movie is well directed and well made i want as far as the technical aspects of this film i think are are there and i think that 
there's no way I could ever tarnish that part of the movie by any means. Maybe try to, maybe a couple things here or there, but for the most part, it's beautifully shot. The four, I'm watching this, this thing in 4K, and it looks gorgeous. Um, it is probably one of the better 4Ks I own, and I own a decent amount now, and it it looks phenomenal. And um, yeah, I. I it's I every time I watch. I mean, honestly, I've seen this movie a lot on 4K because it looks so good, and it's Star Wars, and there are moments that I love about it. But um, yeah, this right when Luke throws that lightsaber, that's when things really start getting kind of weird for me. And this is when, you know, one of my favorite aspects of Kylo Ren gets stripped from him, and it's hard for me to take as as Snoke is talking here to Kylo Ren. It's really hard for me that they build up this character. And in, in, in the Force Awakens, that he's wore, he's worn this mask with this guy, Snoke, and Snoke's accepted it and has been cool with it, and the and he's and he's you know paying homage to him here with with with, with what he what he loves and Darth Vader and what he represents, and then Snoke is like, take up the ridiculous mask. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, hold on, really fast, okay. just. just the problem is, is that there's no press, there's no precedent, precedence for this. It's just we have to take it at face value that he's mad at Kylo Ren, and he wants him to take his mask off for good, and it just it doesn't fit right for me, in my opinion. I completely disagree, and you know how much I love that helmet, but for all we know, I get the feeling. I mean, you say Snoke has like always been okay with this. He's probably always thought it was kind of silly, but he tolerated it. And he's like, you want to have your Vader fantasy? Go ahead. You know, I tolerate it because you're powerful and you're my right hand guy and I need you. But then, and you know, here he's criticizing him for his failure in the force awakens. I mean, obviously that was a big moment. He was expecting Kylo Ren to bring him Luke Skywalker. And then when Ray got in the way, he obviously expected her, expected him to defeat this girl who had no training in the force and whatever. Um, and so he's kind of reached his point now where he's like, look, I expected more from you. You screwed up. Take that ridiculous helmet off. Like he's just kind of, it's not like get rid of it for good. It's more just in the moment. He's like, look, talk to me face to face. Get rid of the freaking helmet. Like we're past that right now. And then Kylo in his own anger and dealing with, you know, his inner turmoil and the pressure to live up to Snoke's expectations and stuff. He goes ahead and smashes it. Snoke didn't tell him to smash it. He just told him, take that off and talk to me face to face. I'm disappointed with you right now. And it's Kylo's own anger and frustration that he just, you know, smashes it. And obviously we're going to see in the Rise of Skywalker that he probably regrets that and wants it back. So um, as he should, I think. And again, I love the mask. I I mean, just Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens is one of my favorite Star Wars characters just from a visual standpoint. He's one of my favorite Star Wars characters regardless, but I love that mask and I love the look of that character. But I also think him smashing the mask is a great character moment. I'll agree with you on that one, Kyle. Not to repeat too much for what you said about Snoke and the helmet, but as he said in Force Awakens, his greatest test was yet to come in that movie was facing his father, Han Solo, and he thinks he passed it. And to really embrace the dark side, as he said, it split him in two instead. And I would think he allowed him to use the helmet to be like Vader to help fuel the dark side in him, to help that really bring it out. That once it really didn't work after thinking he passed the ultimate test and killing Han Solo, and he's still not fully embraced the dark kind of maybe thinks the mask maybe 
pointless and calls it ridiculous like he does. So I think it works in the story point for for all the reasons you said, Kyle. So, But this scene right here, getting back to Luke, I just love that. I mean, I wish we would have gotten more Luke reacting to the death of Han Solo, but I think his expression that we just saw is race telling him what happened, I think says it all. You see the pain and hurt that he has on his face here. And this moment gets a lot of flack, but I actually really like it because we're seeing what life is like for Luke on Otto in exile, just doing what he does to survive and I guess to keep himself busy. And here we are at the infamous milking scene. But again, Mm -hmm. I don't mind it at all because we're just seeing how Luke, you know, gets how he gets some liquid to drink Mm -hmm. and he has to survive somehow. And we're just seeing and what life is like for him here. And, I, I don't mind it at all. I think he's in that facial expression. He shows Ray right there. He just like, hey, this is, you know, this is what it's like for me here. If you can't handle it, well, <laughs> tough. This is how life is going to be here on Octo. Yeah. I mean, it is a little weird when the creature like then gives Ray a look like, hey, you want some of this? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those things that obviously it's not my favorite scene in the movie or anything. I don't particularly love it. Um, especially the milking scene. I mean, I can see why it's a little weird. I do love the scenes here of like him fishing and him walking over the island and just seeing, you know, really hammering home the point to Ray and the audience that this is not the Luke Skywalker you expected you were going to get. But yeah, I still yeah. think it's cool to see Luke like this in this environment, mm-hmm. doing what he needs to do to survive. He could the thing. I think the reason why I, I don't mind all of this is because it feels like regardless of his personality that that's what he could be doing you know whether he's like the real luke skywalker or jake skywalker as as mark hamill calls this version of (laughs) luke now this right here again i'm gonna give kudos to ryan johnson this is a great moment and i love i love this because it's a straight up fantasy Mm -hmm. where the 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 knight or the sort the the young sorcerer is you know is being called by some some mystical thing from in the, into the deeper into the forest, and obviously this is space fantasy, so it's not exactly you know you know Merlin's and Merlin and Sword in the Stone all that jazz. But this whole part right here felt I, again Ryan Johnson. There has moments where he really gets Star Wars, and this yeah. really feels like Star Wars to me, where he's it, it's not just like, fantasy; it's also Dagobah cave. It's uh, yeah. you know not quite the level of Mortis, but we've had that sort of fantastical mystical elements in star Wars before. And this totally fits right in with that. Yeah. Another thing I want to give credit to is the editing in this movie, because we know the characters are split apart. There is different plot points going on and it's can easily go back and forth. That makes it feel real jarring, but I do like how it was cut and Ryan Johnson decided to spend enough time in one sequence to where you felt like, you're with these characters long enough to and in these environments, especially with the Luke and Ray stuff, because this is the moment we want to spend the most time, I think, in the movie. And I felt with all the other stuff going on, it was edited to where it felt enough time was given in each scene with these characters. It just didn't feel so fast paced and you're quickly bouncing from scene to scene and characters to characters. Yeah, and I did like I like the transition between the scenes too, especially earlier in the er, early in the movie, like when uh, Finn wakes up and he goes, "Where's Ray?" and then it cuts to Ray on the island mm-hmm. with Luke, and then Luke says, "Where's Han?" and it cuts to Kylo Ren. Um, yeah, which is great. obviously like Han's not there, but that's what happened to Han. Um, so, and I obviously it's you know simple stuff, but I uh, I like that rather than just stick on that scene and have Poe explain it or whatever, it cuts and then shows us where Ray is. 
I also love, and again, this is this kind of stuff that kind of frustrates me, but I, I did like what Ryan was going with is that, again, she sees the island and, and she starts calling out things. And I like Luke's response to an extent where he's like, as soon as she's like, I've seen this island before, he's like, crap. Like, again, he, he's defensive. And I keep thinking, like, oh, maybe the real Luke Skywalker is going to show up soon. And uh, because she's starting to, you know, cut through that exterior, you know. But, again, and again, I, I want to make this for, for the record. I don't mind this version of Luke Skywalker completely, to be quite honest. I I will acknowledge that he's not exactly, I don't think he's a, what I would want him to be or should think he should be. But, it's not terrible. And that's also because of how good Mark Hamill is in this movie, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. Oh, I think he's he fantastic. nails a character. Like he nails a character. He just he's a great actor. And again, he's always been an underrated actor. And and I feel like he's kind of getting his due finally, especially with this movie. And a lot of people praise his performance. Because it is very good. Even though, as we all know, he did not like where the direction it was going. So yeah, no. In spite of that, it's almost surprising yeah. that he gives as good of a performance as he does when he so strongly disagreed with the direction that Ryan wanted yeah. to take the character. And I think that shows you even more how important and how great a performance it really is. Mm-hmm. I just like that whole bit of exchange of dialogue they had in that sequence too. It was, there's some humorous lines in there too, where she goes, you know, Luke goes, nobody's from nowhere. She goes, Jack, he goes, oh, I guess that is nowhere. <laughs> and then when she goes, you know, asking to be a teacher, she goes, I've seen your daily routine. You're not busy. So just yeah, the, those are good jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the banter and play that they had against with each other right off the bat. I thought worked really well. I like this, uh, this bit of dialogue between Poe and Leia here too. Um, I know some people have issues with Poe's characterization in this movie too, that they basically beat him down and made him look like an idiot. But I did think that at least in the beginning in that, the scene with the, uh, you know, the space battle with the bombers and everything um, that fits in terms of like knocking his character down a peg um, and having him be the classic, uh, you know, cocky, headstrong pilot that just wants to be the hero and save the day. And they complete the mission and that's kind of all he sees, but they lose a lot of people along the way. And now they, you know, they're down an entire bomber squadron and there's not many of them left. And Leia is trying to get him to realize like the big picture. Um, And uh, again, you know, some of the things later with Haldo and stuff, it's like, I can understand why some people have issues with, but at least for the first part, the space battle and then Leia's reaction to it and demoting him, I think is really good character development. <laughs> I, I think Poe is one of the worst things in this movie. And I just think his whole, the whole thing, here's the problem, in, in my opinion. The whole problem is is what's being set up right here. They're tracking us through light speed. And once once they get hosed and they realize they're being tracked and, and Ryan Johnson went with that story idea, it became just... It, it, you trap these characters to be very just, yeah, you just can't really do much with them. And I feel like you put them, their backs against the wall on, on purpose, but yet we don't know Poe that much. And what we've got from Poe doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like he'd all of a sudden be like, I'm going to disobey everything this person tells me because I think this is the right thing to do. It's like, it's, uh, and, and again, some of the things that, you know, what Poe is doing, like getting a mutiny, it just, it's just way too much. And, uh, ugh, 
this is where I think the movie really like mucks up for me is when again when once you start tracking him through lights being like we're being chased inter- you know intergalactically what are we gonna do let's send a side mission out it just this is where I think the movie really starts like really takes a giant tumble for me where again I like the stuff with Kylo Ren pretty much you'll, you'll I mean, get a this, trend- this ship is gorgeous by the way yeah it's a great it's a, again a great shot but here's the thing you'll get a trend with me anything with Kylo Ren Ray and Luke I'm gonna like Anything outside of that, it's going to be very, very hit or miss. And this right here is is kind of where it is the beginning of that. It doesn't quite start here, but it's it's like it starts to see like the it rears its ugly head in this starts rearing its ugly head right here. Well, I don't think you're <laughs> alone in that, head, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, you're you're definitely not alone in that. I mean, I'm the same way. Anytime Luke, Ray, or Kylo is on screen, I'm hooked. And as much as I love the characters of Finn and Poe from The Force Awakens, I do think, you know, they could have utilized them better in this movie. And again, like everything that they do kind of fits for their storyline. But like you were saying, it's just it's kind of an odd choice of storyline to give them in this movie and the whole side quest to Canto Bite and everything. And it's like I almost just wish that that whole part of the movie would have been rewritten. I don't hate it. I just think it could have been better and like you said the when you have one clear storyline that like every time it cuts away you just wanted to get back to that it's like well the other parts of the movie should be up to that level too yeah yeah exactly um but then of course here i mean i'll never forget just seeing this moment in the trailer for the first time with uh kylo with leia in his crosshairs and i didn't expect it to be this early in the movie but you know after he's already killed his father and you're thinking you know is he going to kill his mother too and of course he eases off the trigger and it's just showing you that even after we think you know oh he killed han solo he must be irredeemable now um it's just one of those things that they keep sprinkling in to show you like mm, there's more to it also rest, in, rest was... in peace admiral akbar yeah but talk about something unexpected in the movie seeing leia be in the middle of an explosion getting sucked into space i was like Wow, I was not expecting that in the movie. And of course, this movie came out a year after Carrie Fisher died, and he just couldn't help but think, well, that's not the way Leia's going to end in this movie, right? There's no way they're going to do that. Yeah, and it's but so just seeing weird that was shocking, though. It's so weird to me that there are people that hate the, the part where she flies through space and really think, like, no, Carrie Fisher died. They should have just killed her character off when she got sucked out into space. Like, that's such an unceremonious, yeah. just, like, <laughs> sudden way to kill off such a beloved character. And I will say I don't hate this moment at all. It's I don't either. A little weird at first. I mean, because I mean, this is something we've never seen before in Star Wars and the Force on display, the way it's used here by Leia. But I think it makes total sense. We know she's strong in the Force, and just I think it's kicking in that will to survive. And if someone who has strong Force abilities, this would be something that instinctively happens, where mm-hmm. you're just calling on the Force to save your life when you're able to. And I just think it's a cool moment for Leia to display how strong she is in the force. Exactly. Like, I totally agree with you. I think we know that she is force sensitive. Um, and even if she's never been trained by Luke, I mean, like you said, if there were ever a moment that your body would just naturally kick in and be like, Hey, we got to use the force here or we're going to die. Like this would be it. Mm-hmm. I, I think, Everything is fine up until this this part right here where she keeps gliding all the way. It's just, it, I don't know. It's a little. It it's not again. It's not completely terrible. It just has. It's just weird. It's just kind of weird, and I don't mind it. But I do understand where people are like. It's not 
necessarily great either. So yeah. yeah. I, I mean, don't I don't love I don't love or hate it, but it's it's just yeah. I, I think it's pretty cool from a story standpoint. I do agree with I mean, like you said, Tim, just the way it's executed visually kind of comes off a little weird. Like it does kind of have like a bit of a Mary Poppins kind of vibe to it. And maybe it's the outfit that she's wearing or something. But again, just from a story standpoint, the fact that we finally get to see Leia use the force, I think is really cool. And I gotta say, I I was going to say, I don't don't think I necessarily was one way or the other against Porgs when it was first announced, but I've come to really like Porgs now. (laughs) I think this scene is so unnecessary and so it's such a worthless scene, in my opinion. I mean, they're cute, but we've got Baby Yoda now, so. Yeah. Well, they pale into comparison to Baby Yoda, so. (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel like, again, this movie is way too long, and that could have been cut out completely, and I would have been totally fine with that being a deleted scene. This part, this, this is, is one of the best part. Yeah, this is one of the best parts of the movie right here. Yeah. Yeah, this is so cool just seeing Luke on the Falcon again. Although I do think it's weird that, again, the dice hanging on the, the in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, it's one of those things that, like, maybe it's just me. I never even noticed that in the original trilogy, and now it's suddenly something that in The Last Jedi and Solo, they're, like, dangling him in your face, like, hey, 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 look, it's Han Solo's dice, remember, remember? And it's like, well, I guess I do now, but it wasn't really a meaningful thing before. And you could not have this movie be without a conversation with between Luke and R2, especially after Ryan Johnson asked JJ to put R2 on the Falcon to Octo instead of BB-8. Yeah. I mean, this I had to happen. It was a great imagine... moment, too. Like, honestly, I don't know what J.J. was thinking, originally thinking that BB-8 was going to go with Rey. Like, first of all, how could you miss that chance to have Luke reunite with R2? Second of all, BB-8 is Poe's droid. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't let Rey just take BB-8 and be like, all right, go find uh, Luke on his his deserted island. But and the thing I love is as grumpy as Luke is, it's not that we just see him and R2 together, but the fact that he's like genuinely happy to see R2 again is yeah. the first time that we see him so far in the movie where he's not all depressed and grumpy. Um, and then, and of R2's- course, R2 brings up the hologram of Leia. And man, that was just one of those surprises the first time I saw it um, that I was not expecting at all and was like I one know. of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, it's I just so- love how R2 knows exactly what to do to get, mm-hmm. you know, push Luke, nudge him a little bit to, you know, do what's right here and to make him have be a little more hopeful with Ray and just the fact he shows him you know the very first thing when they met on Tatooine that time it's just so cool that you know R2 decided (laughs) to do that just from a storytelling point that that's the moment Ryan Johnson decided to use to kind of get Luke and gear a little bit it was so good that he only hung out with R2 one time (laughs) well I think it's that's not just the Last Jedi problem. That's just a sequel trilogy problem well, so far. Mm-hmm. We'll see about in Rise of Skywalker. But the fact that R two literally just stays on the Falcon the entire time is one. It's not R two D two. R D two is gonna be roaming around doing his thing. Like he's not just gonna hang out on the Falcon. Like all right, I'm gonna wait for Luke to come talk to me. Like R two would go find him again. This is my problem with sometimes these people, you know, oh, I can't have R2. I don't really know what to do with them. So I'll leave them on the Falcon. It's like, or I'll just leave them under a big bag. It's like, come on. Well, maybe since he's still coming out of low power mode, he has to stay on the Falcon to recharge more than he used uh, to. Until he's fully yeah, yeah, he's old. <laughs> he's an old man droid. I seriously hate these people. <laughs> 
Sorry, I just I know R two is old. Is not it's not his movie. I get it. I I've heard that argument. I've argued with my friends with about this, and I get it's not his movie. It's not his care. It's not his time. I get it. Give me more than one scene though. Well, yeah, he that's... is in more than one scene. He's on the oh, Falcon with Ray later. Yeah, and Ray's like, "Oh, I like this. Hey, can <laughs> you do this for me, please?" Oh gosh, it's uh, he doesn't gosh. even say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this, I will uh, agree. More R two wouldn't have been a bad thing. I mean, who was going to complain about more R two? Yeah, more R two is never a bad thing. I also love how short uh, Oscar Isaac is compared to. Um, Oh my gosh! I think Laura Dern. Dern's just really tall. She is, but he's also kind of short. He's like a little. He's like he's like, he's shorter. Like me and he's like a little shorter than me, I think. Hmm. Which I'm like just below average. I think he's like a five six. I'm like, we're, right, we're both we're right around the same height. I bet. Oh, we're that both would make little, sense. A little tiny shorter. But anyway, um, now this. Like, this isn't necessarily bad, like, having this, like, confrontation. This isn't terrible, right? Like, I don't mind this. It's what happens after this is where I think things start falling apart. And things, it's a little silly, in my opinion. Yeah, see, the thing I don't like about Haldo is, I know, like, I've heard people defend her saying, like, she's the commander, he's the subordinate, like, he doesn't, you know, she's not obligated to tell him what's going on, and that makes perfect sense. But I do feel like from a filmmaking standpoint, from a writing standpoint, they write her to intentionally be like antagonistic, especially in that scene where like she's talking down to him and she's like, you're just a trigger happy flyboy, and I don't need you on my ship right now. Like just being really like rude and dismissive to him and setting it up so that when he wants to do his mutiny, like you think she's a bad guy. And then they pull the rug out from under you later and be like, ha, gotcha. But it's like, yeah, but like what purpose did that serve aside from to teach Poe a lesson? But it's like we Admiral Holdo could have been a great character. Like at the end, you find out that she's really likable and and you kind of root for her. And it's like we could have had another great supporting character the whole time instead of making it look like she was being a jerk just so that we were rooting for Poe to overthrow her. And then you, you know, pull a fast one on Poe and the audience and be like, oh, actually, she was, you know, doing the right thing the whole time. Um, it, I, You know, it's like. Again, she could have told like it, it's fine that she didn't tell him that, but just the way that it's presented and the way that it's written, like I don't know, it feels like kind of a cheap shot. I also think it's and I like Rose's character for the most part. Um, I, I do think it's weird that she's like she. I know her; she's crying because she missed her sister, but it's weird that she she's all super stoked to see Finn. Like, oh, you're a legend. It's like, dude, he's a legend. He like he literally just was showed up like an hour ago, <laughs> and, and I, she's. I don't know. I, that that kind of makes me think like, yeah. I actually kind of like that small little story aspect they played with here that, you know, Finn did help accomplish something really big as far as destroying Starkiller base and giving... But she but, but she tells her that Paige told me, blah, 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 blah. Like, like my sister and like said, so it references him and it's just weird. It's like no, it's, I think everyone in the resistance would know that Finn was the one who kind of spearheaded that mission. Everyone mm -hmm. knew he was the first order deserter. No, I get it, but he's only been out for like two hours. No, I think you're talking about from the time, like the time he's been in that stasis pod. Yes. No, I assume that's been. It's probably been a few days. 
Oh, excuse me. A few days. Uh, never mind. See, see what I'm saying? It's just, it's just, it's, it's just way. <sighs> Again, and this is this is this isn't necessarily Ryan Johnson's fault. This is more of a JJ thing where he left him. But JJ, you know, Ryan did decide to pick it up right after, you know, literally right afterwards. So. But anyway, yeah, this this part again, I just it's way too comical with the whole Finn thing and he's like hurt from our teeth. It's like, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, that's just some of the stuff that like I don't love it, I don't hate it. Yeah, it's just not this see this this is some this is, this feels again, John Boyga's has complained kind of outright a little bit, been a little more forthcoming on his displeasure with this movie and his in his his role in the movie and I don't blame him. This stuff is just not Finn had such an interesting character arc in the last movie. And he he starts off as as a comic relief getting zapped. And and again, that part didn't bother me. I like the fact that she was like, Oh, you ain't going nowhere. And like, you know, I like, again, there's decent elements there, but just the execution is just what? I did like his line there as the guy who used to mop it. Yeah, yeah. And this is, oh my gosh. Well, we're not quite there yet, but. (laughs) Oh, I know where you guys are going with this. No, no, no. This part, no, no, no. There's a couple things wrong. The the way, what they're explaining is it's so convoluted. Even Poe is like literally the audience like, wait, say it again. I think there's like a a YouTube video of just them trying to explain everything to to Poe. Is Okay, give it to me one more time. And it's like literally what I felt like telling them. It's like, wait a minute, they're going to leave? They're going to leave the ship? But why don't they all just leave the ship at once? But, um. Yeah, I'm going to complain about this right now. I don't like Finn's jacket. Finn's jacket reminds me of a 90s X-Men jacket with a big giant (laughs) uh, X on it. Instead of a big giant X, it's just the Rebel Alliance resistance symbol. And it's... Ridiculous. I never thought of that, but you're totally right. (laughs) It's not... Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about a pose? Are you talking about pose jacket? Yeah, pose jacket. Oh, you said Finn's. Oh, I'm sorry. Pose jacket. I was like, that's the same jacket Finn had in The Force Awakens. What's wrong with it? No, no, I love that jacket, actually. No, no, it's it's because I feel it's too like I I feel like that way a little bit in some of the costumes in in The Force Awakens, but it's just but most it's it's even more prevalent in this movie. Oh boy. Oh boy. boy. (laughs) You guys don't like this excellent star turn performance from Maz (laughs) Kanata? Ah, this is so this, terrible. This might be the worst scene in the movie, I think. It's one of them. There's okay, no and, doubt. And here's the thing for me. I I don't hate this. I I really like I could just take it or leave it. I I don't hate it nearly as much as you guys do. (laughs) The only thing I don't like about it is just that it feels so forced. It feels like JJ signed Lupita and Yango to a three movie contract. And then Maz kind of served her purpose in the force awakens and didn't really need to be in the sequel. And Ryan was like, wait, I have to put her in this. What the heck am I supposed to do with this character? I, I don't know. Let's do this. And it did not work. I mean, no, it's terrible. I know you didn't like her at all, The Force Awakens, Paul, but I did enjoy her when she's more talking about the Force and her history of being a thousand years old, but none of that was apparent in this scene. And obviously just played for comic relief and it was not funny to me, to say the least. But And even the fact that Poe was the one 
who got the idea is like that shot of him going, Hey, you know what? He didn't say that, but that's what he was implying. But he didn't even interact with her in the force awakens. I'm sure they've met since Poe obviously knows Leia and Leia knows Maz that it probably should have been Finn. The one who remembers Maz and maybe thought she could help them, but still it just felt like I said, Kyle extremely forced. And like I said, probably my least favorite scene in the movie. I, uh, I'm going to give Ryan Johnson a lot of props here for Skyping is legit. Like literally yeah. a great thing that I was not expecting. And I thought it was really well done and it really, and it, it actually helps to kind of build your building again, even though I don't like the direction of what, what he took with Ray, you built up a connection between these two characters without them being side by side in the same room. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that's a really cool thing that he came up with. And I, and I, I think that, uh, even people who are like more like me and not huge fans of this movie necessarily, I think a lot of people would give props to this idea of Force Skype, and I, I I love it, and I love I love the the conversations they have together. Yeah. And again, they think about this. I, I know they're on set together, but they're not in the scene together per se. But it really really works. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love the execution of it just visually. Again, like they could have done some sort of effect or filter on it where it's like, Oh, yep. we're communing through the force. So we're going to make the, you know, some sort of like force effect. I mean, if you think of like, if you played Jedi fallen order, the way that you have like the vision scenes that you play through in that game where, you know, the world kind of goes dark around you and stuff. And this is just very straight up. Like they're in completely opposite places, but their eye if, and they've talked about how like they made the eye lines match. So just from the angles and where they're looking, you see that they're looking at each other, even though they're clearly not physically looking at each other because they're not in the same space. Um, but yeah, just a really cool, you know, just simple camera tricks and a really cool story element. Totally agree. This is this whole sequence right here, but starting off with, as <laughs> you're calling it, the Force Skype, is one of the things I absolutely love about this movie and getting new aspects of the Force that we've never seen before in the sequel trilogy is one of the things I've always wanted to see and was excited about. And we got that, we got that in this movie here and I just love it. But this sequence coming up, I mean, this is what we're hoping for (laughs) in episode eight, knowing that Ray was going to go to Octo and be trained by Luke. And obviously it played out a little differently, but this moment coming up here is just one of my favorites, if not maybe the favorite moment for me in the movie. And I'm kind of jumping ahead here as they're making their way up the stairs and this cave with the Jedi mosaic in the center. But I just love how this scene started off between Ray and Kylo getting that new aspect of the force. And then we're going to get a really cool explanation of the force between Luke and Ray coming up right here. Mm-hmm. I actually like the prime Jedi uh, thing. I, I bought a yeah. pin and this is a, this is a plug for squad squadron goals on Etsy, a great place to get awesome uh, star Wars, uh, Things like mortise uh, patches and, and things like this uh, Jedi Prime button that I, I like. Great, great quality work. Cool stuff. This, by the way, this right here is where I feel like 
again, it took me a while to warm up to it, but I didn't like Daisy's performance right there. It's like Master Skywalker. Blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's just, it's just very. I can't watch that scene without laughing now because of you following that impression <laughs> you give up. But see, there. I think it fits so perfectly it, because it does. She, it does. You can tell like she's been rehearsing that speech the entire trip it, to Octo. You're and right. Because exactly. she's, she's a young kid in the presence of this legend that she's heard so much about. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go here and I'm going to tell him this. And then I'm going to bring him back with me to help the resistance. And it just, none of it goes the way she expects to. Also, no, even though this part is goofy, I still think it's pretty hilarious. Me too. I like it. To me, Luke's channeling a little Yoda here, which mm-hmm. I think is awesome. And it's also, you know, it's his cynicism. Like, it's funny, but it's also showing how reluctant he is. He's like, come on, really? Like, yeah. you don't even know what I mean when I say reach out with the force. That look on his face when she does that it is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that part's not my... I don't love this part, or I don't love that that part. This part's not bad when they're actually training. Oh, not uh, bad. I, I, I think this part's this great. phenomenal. Yeah, I agree with you, Tim. I mean, I think of I would say of all the Star Wars movies, I think this is my favorite explanation of the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. You know, I mean, what? You, you, oh yep. yeah. I mean, you go from oh, from Obi Wan saying it's you know surrounds us and bi- penetrates us and binds the galaxy together to Yoda talking about luminous beings. Are we not this crude yeah, matter? And he describes it in more detail. But I don't know the way that. Luke is telling her to describe what she's feeling and you're seeing the imagery on the island that kind of corresponds to what he's talking about. And then I don't mind this, but I don't think it's the best. Am I, I, am I... I think it's really cool. I mean, maybe and I, like and I love those Obi-Wan and Yoda moments, too. But this is just it's so cool. Like and again, like you said, Tim, this is what we all came here to see. This is what we wanted from Luke teaching Ray about the force. And I love that smile she gets on her face when she realizes, like, she senses the force that's within her as well. Like, kind of realizing what it's all about and just feeling that for the first time. And you see that look on her face that just sells it really, really good. I, I just love that. And not only are we an explanation about, you know, the life that the force surrounds, but also the death and destruction that the dark side could also cause on this planet that we're seeing visually, too. And as Luke describes it, balance powerful light powerful darkness and Mm -hmm. before that that dialogue he said where how it's vanity to think that it just only belongs to the jedi i love that story aspect and just that idea that luke had to me it makes total sense because we know that for a fact the force isn't only something that the jedi have and the the fact that luke realizes that is something i think is really cool but didn't really get explored upon too much afterwards I've said this before on podcasts, how I wouldn't mind at all the direction of this movie, this is a sequel trilogy in general, did move away from the Jedi. As Luke said, it's time for the Jedi to end and to grow beyond the Jedi as far as them and just the galaxy thinking that it only belongs to them. I mean, we'll see what happens with the Rise of Skywalker. I don't think that's going to be the case, but that was something that I was really taken to as far as the story aspect that we could see with the Force being only connected for the Jedi, which we know as diehard fans don't, but just as general audiences, and I think just as general people in the galaxy, they think that, that you think Jedi, the Force, they're one and the same, or they're the only ones who can use it. But it was time for the galaxy to know that that is not the case. Yeah. I, I did I did like this reveal of the fact that the reason why maybe Luke is not really, he didn't feel certain things in the galaxy, or he doesn't know exactly what's going on, is because he shut him, himself off from the mm-hmm. Force. I never yeah. even thought that would be a possibility. Again, an idea that Ryan Johnson brought in that I really liked 
I thought really worked well in this instance. Yeah, same here. And that was, yeah, it was shocking. Like, um, and we know Luke's out there in exile, but yeah, I had never really considered the fact that like, oh, he's completely just cut himself off from it. And then he talks about there too, uh, how he had trained Ben Solo. And that's the only time he's felt that much power before. Um, God, the great shot of the Falcon. That that is a beautiful shot. Again, this stuff is great. Oh, yeah. This like, is this, just another uh, fantastic scene coming up here between if, Ray if, and Kylo. If they, if Ryan Johnson could have cut out a good chunk or rewritten, did a different version of the other side stories or whatever that other crappy main story was, this would be, I would have actually like lashed it out a lot more, even despite Ray Rando. Like, I love this stuff. This is fantastic. But I also feel this is great performances by both actors. Oh, absolutely. Driver and, and Daisy Ridley do a phenomenal job here. Yeah, Adam Driver is so good. God, he's ridiculous. I mean, uh, yeah, we I don't have to tell you that, Paul. I mean, as as Kylo Ren fans, I mean yeah. just that's one of the things that makes his character so great is Adam Driver just nails that performance. But yeah, especially in these scenes. But like you said, but it, great performances from both of them really selling this connection yeah. when they're not in the same place. Yeah. And I think also that there's, again, some of the stuff that he's coming up with here with Kylo Ren is some of the strongest writing that Ryan Johnson does. Like when she says, you're a monster. And he, and he says, yes, I am. It's, it's, it's almost, you don't know if he's admitting that, like he's regretful or he's accepting it or it's a little bit of both. It's interesting. So again, the writing and the acting really are in line together, I think, which I don't think is always the case in this movie necessarily. Um, I yeah. would say with with, with 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 this with that stuff in particular with, with Adam Driver, it's spot on. And just a great little tease there at the end um, mm. when he yeah. wipes the water off his face and yeah. you realize like, oh, even though he wasn't there with her in the rain, somehow some of that got on him. And again, setting it up for the reveal later with Luke. Um that, that they're like not just having visions of each other, but that somehow you can transcend space using the force. Yeah, yeah. it just gets stronger and stronger, their connection, the more they do it. And I love mm-hmm. that aspect of that new ability we're seeing. <laughs> it's hilarious that that's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I know. It's so bad. Yeah, that, that took me out a little bit. Like, this is a live-action Disney movie with Goofy we're seeing. <laughs> <laughs> and- and I, I love going to Las Vegas with like um, with Gremlins. Oh, oh we're on Canto Bite. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought I mean we, I thought we went to Earth. My bad. I'm not gonna kill the idea of seeing what a casino is like in the Star Wars Absolutely. galaxy. Absolutely, you're right. Yeah. Well, you know what I think does it for me because I mean there's so many weird new alien designs and stuff. Actually, you know what I because I've always liked the idea of Canto Bite, but I've also something in the execution always felt off to me, and I'm realizing exactly. it for the first time right now. It's the fact that everybody's in black and white. Exactly. You compare that Thank to... You. And I get that they're supposed to be in tuxes and stuff because this is like the fancy, swanky casino, but Star Wars, especially when you're trying to show the weirdness and the alien life and stuff, I just think it needs to be more colorful. And I don't have I don't have any problem with like the color, the design or the color schemes of the casino itself. But the fact that you've got all these aliens, but it's all very muted colors, even all the aliens, a lot of them are like gray or like a pale red or purple or something. And then you get all these humans and everybody's in black and white. Switch up the costumes a bit. Like, yeah, I just I've I've that's the first time I've been able to put a finger on that. 
Well, and, and that's kind of my issue with Canto Bite is that it looks way too much like a, a futuristic version of Earth. And mm, I never really yeah. and, and Star Wars is not the future Earth. It is a completely different galaxy where things are literally a complete it's not even close to the Earth, unless you have the made in New York thing on lightsaber of Empire Strikes Back. But um uh, that was a little <laughs> joke. But but what I'm saying is one of my biggest problems with Canto Bite is it's just it's not it's it's not it's too derivative of earth and that's the problem and i think mm. that when when you and and i if you watch the the, the documentary um uh, a jedi the, the director of the jedi which is a great doc, documentary honestly i'm oh, really is. glad that uh ryan did that uh the the costume designer you could tell is not exactly thrilled with that's Ryan. right yeah <laughs> you could just tell on his mm-hmm. face and maybe i'm reading too much into it and you guys can disagree with me I you cannot tell me you watch that stuff you watch that that documentary and that guy looks excited you could tell he's like hey, this is not good and I <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I think, have to watch for that again and, and and but the hilarious thing is is Ryan's like huh this is great guys and it's just <laughs> it's not it's exactly what he wanted and this part oh my god this is this, this yeah. is so not Star Wars either yeah well, the well, music that are. plays is just awful yeah the music that we're just really draws attention to itself about how this master code breaker is a big romantic and is just a player and a winner but again this and i i definitely don't love this stuff but this is at this point in the movie i'm already like okay this is whatever i'm just excited to get back to more ray and luke and kylo exactly we do (laughs) yeah and really fast i want to say for i know i'm not trying to be unfair to ryan johnson because i don't like i didn't love the Dexter's uh, drive-in scene or, or old 60s scene either when it first came out. It took me a long time to just get accept it. I still don't like it now, but I accept it. I will, I, I, I'm probably headed that way to Canto Bite, but I think, I don't think it's good. And I think it looks very derivative of Earth. And even though that I do, I don't like that about Attack of the Clones either. At least it's a little bit different. The droids don't look like completely different waitresses. They, like, they're a little bit interesting and at least the uh, the visual design of every alien in that scene is going to hold up better in 20 years than dexter jetster does now because <laughs> that cgi did not age well well yeah whatever i mean that's debatable i, I think it looks fine <laughs> have you watched attack of the clones on blu-ray and looked at that diner scene yeah, but it's, yeah, but whatever. It's still more interesting than any alien they came up with in that movie. Well, okay, yeah, the, no, the design of him I like. I'm just saying the exactly. So the, I, it, but I'm I, saying the execution, the visual out. execution of it. Why are we arguing about this over talking about more Canto Bite stuff over Luke and Ray and Ray training with <laughs> the lightsaber? Not very good. That's why. <laughs> anyway, caretakers are a good design. I do like their look. Yeah. 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 Uh, to me, it feels to me that feels Star Wars and just in with the environment of Octo, they don't feel out of place. To me, they feel like they're a species that definitely could live on this planet. To me, to me it's they, just feel, more, they feel natural. It's they do feel natural. It's more to me like it's more their place in the story. Like, why are they uh, keeping up Jedi structures that obviously nobody has lived in for like 10,000 years? Um <laughs> Uh, and wearing nun hats, like or or little like cleaning costumes, like the alien designs themselves are fine, but I don't know, their their costumes a little weird. Um, but how cool is here. it to get Luke yeah. Skywalker name dropping Darth Sidious? That was awesome. Word. 
he easily could have said the emperor, but no, he went Darth Sidious. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Like Ryan put that in there for him to say. And just hearing Luke recount, I mean, obviously not in great detail, but the failures of the Jedi in the prequels that we saw. And he's absolutely right. It says when you strip away like the stories and the deeds, what you get is failure and hubris. That's the legacy of the Jedi, and he's one hundred percent right. Yeah, this might be my favorite scene from uh Mark Hamill performance wise here just with his dialogue mm. and again you you see that he understands those failures of the past of the Jedi and then just talking about his own failure um it's just i mean he he nails it and you can see how much it's weighing on him and the uh you know, just the introspection, but I love the, what they did with these flashbacks here too. Oh yeah. Here we go. I know this is the thing that Paul was like, guys, Paul, Paul wanted to do a whole separate episode just about this, Um, (laughs) which we'll see if we need to by the end of it. Um, But no, I just think it's really cool that the, the way that this is that the story is told in flashback, but then the way we see the different perspectives of it uh, from Luke and Kylo as the movie progresses. And I know there's a lot of people that have problems with this portrayal of Luke and why he just, why he decided to go into exile. But that scene right there where he's explaining it to Ray, and you just see the pain in his face for, I totally buy into it. Not only did he fail as a Jedi master trying to restore the order, but as he said, Leia trusted him with, her son, his nephew, his sister. And I think more than anything, that's what really hurts him in this regard is that he failed Leia and his nephew, his family. And mm-hmm. the fact that he was had this in his mind showing the same failures as the Jedi of old, like he was saying, it, it just makes total sense to me that, yes, that is a reason enough alone. I think someone as passionate as Luke and who loves his family would become this way and decides that, what he did was unforgivable. And as Yoda said, revenge said, failed I have into exile, I must go. I think Luke is taking that same approach to it as well because it was something very serious that he feels guilty about. And I just totally buy into it. Guys. Oh, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Uh, Wait, is it coming? I don't know. I think it is. Yeah, they got the the ships run out of fuel. I'm pretty sure it's the first one. Are we all going to say it together or just let Paul do it? (laughs) Hold on. Yeah, take it away, Paul. Hold on. All right, hold on. Bid on, Admiral. Godspeed, come on! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's probably the best part of the movie, to be honest. You made that moment, Paul. (laughs) And one of my least favorite things about this is when she says like oh we're at six hours of fuel like i hate when there's these arbitrary countdowns like even if you could tell come on guys like and and i i i get how with futuristic space tech and stuff you probably could tell exactly how many hours of flight you have left based on your fuel reserves but even i forget if i mentioned this on our our force awakens commentary but when they're having the battle at Starkiller base and you know they're cutting back to to the resistance base and c3po is like oh the base is going to be ready to fire in exactly 17 minutes and 23 seconds like it's like how the heck do you know that like i I don't know. I feel like there should be other ways of creating tension and drama in a story other than uh, 
you know, just having a, a ticking clock for no reason. It's one thing if it's like a Mission Impossible movie and there's a bomb with an actual countdown timer on it, but um, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of silly. And you know, time is always longer than what they say it is in movies. So <laughs> it's oh, almost course. pointless to even say or give a time. But. Yeah. And now we get the introduction to DJ, who was nothing like I think everyone was expecting when Benicio Del Toro was cast in the movie. And he yeah, was remember when ones. we saw the scars on his face and everybody thought he was Ezra Bridger? <laughs> oh, I, see, I actually forgot about that. <laughs> but everyone's hot. Oh, is he going to be a First Order general or someone who's associated with Snoke in the dark side, the Knights of Ren? But I don't think anyone would have guessed this. <laughs> and and this is just one of those aspects of this movie that just makes it feel a little too different than it needs to. I mean, it's weird to be saying that when we complained about The Force Awakens, how it didn't do too much or it wasn't different enough. And they went a little too far in the extreme and would try to make things different in The Last Jedi. So I, it's hard to probably strike that perfect balance. But DJ is one of those examples where just this type of character in Star Wars is um, some of the things they try to do for play for laughs also just didn't work for me. But even yeah. BB-8 right here, this is a, I don't know, bb is great. I'll always love BB-8, but this is one of those things where they're trying to replicate the thumbs up moment for me. Mm-hmm. Where, where he blows so on awesome the smoking the gun. Awakens. Yeah. And just him using those coins as bullets and he's <laughs> being a machine gun there. Just, I don't know. Yeah, I think that was actually the exact moment that I was talking about earlier when I was watching this in the theater for the first time. And it kind of hit me like, this is kind of this is really different and I'm not sure if I like it. And then I went, oh, wait, before The Force Awakens, I was actually expecting like Star Wars that was going to feel new and different. So maybe this is just like what I wanted all along. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, BB-8 shooting the coins out. It's it's fun. It's cute. But I also do kind of agree with you like it. It's a little too like winky naughty kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. But say what you want about Canto Bite. I love the Fafiers as cr- new creatures in the Star Wars galaxy. They look awesome. The fact that they're we're getting to that element where I think works in Star Wars where they take real world stuff but makes it its own. With you know, obviously this is going to be with horse racing, just another type of. Sp- sport that the, the rich can gamble on something mm-hmm. different than pod racing i guess but i just love the designs of the fought the airs and I, the chase sequence coming up i actually enjoy yeah i mean when it comes to the chase sequence it's it's kind of whatever for me i mean again it's just one of those things that, like i enjoy it i don't love it i don't hate it it's certainly not on the level of the pod race but it's fun no definitely not but um but yeah i mean i agree with you i, I like the design of them as creatures um, I do think, as some people have now pointed out, I'm like, it is kind of weird that they freed all the animals and left the slave kids in there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes for a fun little, uh, visual chase sequence. I'm glad they cut out the scene where they crash into the bathhouse and yeah. Warwick Davis is playing that, like, naked, chubby little cyclops thing. The, uh, 
Uh, sorry, I had to step out for a second, uh, audience. If you guys didn't notice, I was quiet, and that's very unusual. Whenever I'm on a podcast, it usually means I went to the bathroom or something like that. You'd be correct because this movie has a lot of breaks for bathrooms. Um, <laughs> so uh, on side, that was that was a, that was a cheap shot. I I didn't really necessarily mean that, though. I want to say for DJ, probably the most uh, wasted opportunity to use a great actor like Benicio del Toro, maybe yeah. ever. In a Star Wars movie, um, but then also the Fathers. I actually, I, I really like the Fathers. I don't think they look terrible. The, but if you ever want to like regret watching something in your life, what I recommend doing is going on the deleted scenes and watching. <laughs> I just the, said that. Yeah, <laughs> this is literally that was probably one of the worst deleted scenes I'd ever seen. And when I say worst, I mean it because. I could see why they edited it out, and I wish I never That's saw a great it. Shot right there. Yeah, it's a good shot. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that scene was so long, I, I I could not believe it went on that long. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, they actually filmed. You, you I couldn't believe it. This is so bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, mean, I kind of get it that when you're filming a movie, you know, you think you have a great idea and you want to kind of get the most out of it that you can, and then you get in the editing room and you know, trim it down to just what it needs to be. Trim like 10 minutes off that thing. It was like 10 minutes long. Yeah, I think you're right. You know what? I'm going to look it up right now. One second. While you guys talk, talk amongst yourselves while I prove myself right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, regardless. I mean, I think the, what they actually went with in the final cut doesn't need to be any longer than it is for sure. So whatever that deleted scene is, or the, uh, you know, the extended version. Um, I mean, it's fine on the Blu-ray. Like, I've probably only watched it once, but, I mean, that's what deleted scenes are for. Like, there's a reason they were deleted. Yeah, because it was, it was bad. They should delete this whole scene. <laughs> now you're going too far. <laughs> I, I, okay. I, mean, I kind of like the idea of Star Wars tackling a little bit of, you know, I, animal a, abuse here. No, I, li- I like that, too. Excuse me. I like that too. But the problem but the thing after that where it goes on and on and on, even even after that, the trim down version's too long in my opinion. See, I, I think know. it's I think it's just right for a, a small little action sequence here to yeah. pick things up a little bit from when we were on Canto Bite, but yeah, again, for for the whole thing being what it is. It's like if we're going to have a if we're going to be on Canto Bite, sure, might as well have a chase scene with you know, space horses running down the street. You know, and as much flack as Canto Bite gets, it's actually not very long. (laughs) That's very true. It's very true. The problem, though, is that, and and Kyle, you could speak this way better than me, and and maybe I'm speaking on a line here, but in a movie, and for for minutes, minutes is crucial. It's very true. Like, and, and and I feel like Canto Bite overstays its welcome, and it feels longer when it really is, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, and I mean, again, overall, I don't hate that part. It's certainly like probably my least favorite aspect of the movie, or my least favorite subplot of the movie. Um, but that doesn't mean it's terrible. I just love the other stuff more. Um, and of course, it's so cool right here seeing. You know, we're realizing this is the first time that Luke has used the force in how many years? And it's, yeah. you know, he knows that Han is gone. He knows that the resistance is resistance is in trouble. And so he's finally tapping back into the force just to check on his sister and, and make sure she's okay. 
And oh, if you and here we go with Ben uh, Swolo. <laughs> oh my god! Thankfully, that meme died down. <laughs> I, also, I also love that she's like, "Do you have a cowl?" She says, "Not a towel, a cowl." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say regarding Luke in that moment where he opens up to the Force for the first time in forever, and he realizes what's going on. And the novel kind of expands on it more a little bit, where he like really realizes it's time to you know get going he's gonna go with ray and he starts thinking to himself about how he's making the decision to leave and go with her until everything that transpires here coming up with her and kylo but mm-hmm. it was obviously such a big moment for luke experiencing the force again yeah and it's interesting to see uh again the dynamic between ray and kylo and the way that um seeing him kill his father like really made her mad not just because she cared about han solo but because having parents is all she ever wanted and she's like your parents cared about you like how could you yeah that's why their characters their dynamic is so great (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then of course here we get kylo's version and it's so weird see like luke looks so murderous right there yeah um but again obviously that's i love that straight out of obi-wan's mouth like what he's telling you is true from a certain point of view like that's how he saw it he woke (laughs) up and saw luke standing over him with his lightsaber ignited and thought he was gonna kill him yeah but from kyle's perspective that's probably exactly how he looked and felt well why did he turn on the lightsaber in the first place Oh, are we ready to get into that now? Or are we going to save it for when Luke gives uh, his final telling of the story? Because there's a lot to again, get into with that. Again, okay, here's here's the deal. I'm just going to say it right now. I'm just going to say this right now. You guys are not wrong. The problem is the fact that Ryan Johnson wrote that scene to begin with, and that it can be interpreted in so many different ways. And yeah. I think that <laughs> I think that's is what a, I like about it, though. That, yeah. That, that that is the problem because ultimately in something that here's the problem with that tim in my opinion it's a defining moment for a a legacy character one of the most household name characters in the world and you leave something up that something that you write you write yourself into something that could be interpreted a very very negative way for the character that all you guys all yell at me about that's not what he did he didn't go in to kill kylo ren the problem is ryan johnson wrote something that was not because you have no why did he choose that time why again why did luke choose that time he couldn't wait couldn't wait till the morning to confront him i mean he probably didn't know he was asleep it's nighttime yeah (laughs) okay it's nighttime right now i'm not sleeping Maybe he did yeah, confront him at another time, and Kylo was denying it. And Luke's not going to do a Force mind pro while he's, you Wait, know, he'll put his on to no. Kill I him? think I don't. He think, did not turn it on to kill him. I don't uh, well, think. What, I don't what, think what? Luke. I don't think Luke went in there knowing Kylo was asleep and and intending to mind probe him. I think he because he says I went to confront yeah. him. So I think he went to go talk to him about it, and he's like, "Oh, the dude's asleep. Let me just reach out and see if I can sense anything with the Force." And got way more than he bargained for. And again, just turned the lightsaber on out of instinct. I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves and we should be talking about Ray's parents in the mirror scene and all that. Whoa, 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 whoa. You guys think he turned the lightsaber on not to kill him? That was, you're you're saying that that's like, even though he he turned it on, you're saying he, even though, oh my God. Are you what? Hang on, hang on. Put put a a pin in it. We'll come back to that in a minute. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, but I I I do like the 
the way this scene is done, even though the reveal at the end is a little disappointing. Um, because I remember watching this in the theater, and as this fog is clearing right here of Ray thinking she's gonna see her parents, we're all like, Who's it gonna be? Is yep, it, is it, it. <laughs> Han and Leia? Is it Luke and Mara Jade or somebody? Or you know, is it somebody Mara, else? Mara and, and it's just um you know, well, and, and you see the I, figure right there, and but then it turns out that it's just her. Um, I I will say, if this if this is something that if I had to say like this was foreshadowing something, we find out in Rise of Skywalker. I pray to God it's it's midi chlorians, and that's what it's telling her. That, she has <laughs> that would be honestly, I would. I mean, could, oh, I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead. If that's what honestly, if that, and I I know nothing. If that's what it, if that's what like they choose, I will do backflips. How happy I would be! I, mean, I would just be very. That, you could easily take that as implying. I mean, I mm-hmm. had that thought come across my head when I see, saw that scene a few times when the movie first came out because that that's what that could represent. I would just be very surprised if, of all the things that they could reference from the prequel trilogy in Episode Nine, if anybody actually says the word midi chlorians. With it would be midi chlorians as with the- as much as those are like genuinely or like generally still kind of looked on distastefully by the general audience and people are like oh he tried to put the science in the force and blah, blah, blah. like I don't know. I mean I would think it was cool I would just be very surprised if we got that I this this stuff is great like this is great acting by both and again yeah there. This is, this is what drives me nuts. Ryan Johnson did a beautiful job of saying there's a connection between them. And I don't think it's a intimate, like, sexual, like, connection, Raylo fans. I, that's just my opinion. <laughs> well, it's mine, but, too. But, 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 but the thing is, there is a connection between them. And he does a beautiful job. And I say beautiful, and I mean that, of showing that. And the actors do a great job of portraying yep. that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, they're nobody. We don't. And then Snoke's like, I put the connection in you. It's like. Well, but you see, I mean, again, this is what Snoke wanted to happen. And, and you he, can, like, he kind of like, let's say he dialed the number that got them connected, but they established their connection while they were yeah, doing true. their yeah. fourth Skype. So, like, it, they built their relationship. It wasn't Snoke. He just kind of got them all rolling, so to speak, which I agree. I was a little disappointed to hear that. It would have been really better if just the force was doing it on its own. Because they are so connected, one obviously with the referencing the title, the Force Awakens. The Force is waking in the dark side and the light side, and that's kind of bringing them together. Yeah, th- this is this is again great stuff. I love this stuff. This is great. This is Ryan Johnson at his best. See, it, it, I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it out loud. Ryan Johnson could direct any Star Wars movie he wants after this. I just don't want him writing the story. At all. Hmm. Okay. Could, yeah. I was going to say, is it time to fully dive into this discussion now? <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Tell me. Luke. I want your interpretation right now. What is Luke doing? Okay. He says, I sense the building in him. He's, he says, no, I went no, to confront okay. him. Yep. He went to talk to Kylo Ren or to, to Ben Solo. Found out he's asleep. He goes, oh, well, while he's asleep, let me just sense out through the force. And he... He sensed that there was some darkness in him, but he senses there's way more than he ever imagined. And yeah. he, yes, he ignites the lightsaber, you could say, intending to kill him. But it's not like premeditated murder. It's like, and when he says, I saw he would bring the death of the the end or the, the death of like 
or he would bring death and destruction and the end of everything I loved. He's seeing him killing Han and Leia and his Jedi students and just bringing this whole thing crushing down around him. Again, not just his legacy as a Jedi, but killing people that he loves. And he goes, I got to stop this. And he ignites the lightsaber and then probably thinks the same thing that he thought holding his lightsaber ignited standing over Vader and goes, you know, is thinking he's going to kill him for the right reasons or whatever. And then goes, no, this is my flesh and blood. I can't do this. This is the dark side. And he turns it back off. Um, Well, in that case, he didn't turn it off because then he had to defend against Ben striking at him. And that's why, I mean, I said this before when we did our last Jedi review episode, Kyle, that perspective, I wasn't necessarily thinking about when I saw the movie for the first time because I had a problem with it right first just saying oh man this is this just seems so strange seeing luke do that but when you really think about it and make the connections to how luke is as a character i think it it does work for a few reasons one luke is such a passionate character he's an emotional character he acts on instinct wanting to save han and leia when he immediately sensed that they were in danger on dagobah he wanted to go and rescue them immediately when Darth Vader says he'll turn Leia to the dark side, he ignites his lightsaber, just goes all out to Uh take down Vader. And when he senses that Kylo or Ben there could destroy everything that he loved and built, his instinct was immediately to stop that. And that's why I think I say where he doesn't, his intention is not to kill Ben Solo there, but just to stop and destroy the darkness that is in there and what will happen. And, but that's what I think what makes it work is, as soon as he turns on that lightsaber, not even a second goes by where he regrets it. And this immediately where he knows that's not how he should be doing it, obviously. But again, acting on that emotion that Luke has displayed in the past is why I think it works so well. And also, too, there needed to be a very good reason why Luke is isolated himself on this island. And there's another great special feature on the last Jedi Blu-ray disc that goes into Luke and Ryan Johnson talks about it. And to anyone who says that Ryan Johnson doesn't get Luke or has ruined the character, I suggest you rewatch that special feature because it is a great insight to what he was going for. And I think makes sense as far as why Luke did what he did here and actually being a little bit noble here, thinking that this is the best thing for him to do for the galaxy in his mind. He fully believes that. And I think it works. And I know we're going over a pretty big moment here with Luke and Yoda, but I'll wait to re- I'll wait to recount what you guys are going to say to say all that because I have plenty to say to that. <laughs> um, and but I'll wait till a boring Canto bites. Uh, oh, we're off Canto bites. <laughs> yeah, or you know what I mean. Uh, all that stuff. But those uh, are the, some of the elements why I think that scene just makes total sense to me. I he doesn't Yo- take away from Luke as a character. I know everyone like lost their minds or a lot of like old school Star Wars fans who don't like the prequel trilogy lost their minds over a legitimate puppet Yoda. I think he looks weird. I'll, I'll take CGI Yoda over this. Sorry, I love it. Me. I'll disagree with you on that. I mean, I love CGI Yoda in the prequels, especially over puppet Yoda in the Phantom Menace. But I do think that bringing Yoda back to basically how he looked the last time we saw him in uh in return of the jedi when he became a force ghost um 
He looks fine here. When he first shows up, though, he looks like, he, he, like he's been eating Twinkies for like 20 years. <laughs> I know what you mean, Paul. He did look a little off at first, but here he looks. He, he looks better like here. I will, yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like the look of him. And again, even if the puppet doesn't look exactly the same, I like that he is a puppet again and that, you know, it's Mark Hamill interacting with the puppet of Yoda again. Like, How great um, is this? Yeah. And I love the lessons that he's teaching him here. Um, and, you know, you would think that, oh, it's been 30 years. Luke's a Jedi master now. He shouldn't need Yoda to still teach him. But again, he's just showing and reminding Luke and showing the audience that, like, no matter where you're at in life and how experienced you are and whether you're some legendary Jedi master, you always have more to learn. And sometimes, you know, you might forget lessons that you've learned in the past. And because this is typical Yoda wisdom right here, teaching him that, you know, failure is the great teacher. And when you fail, don't give up learn from that experience and press on um and it seems like kind of a simple thing and the the kind of thing that we've probably heard yoda say to somebody before but just the way he phrases it here and it's like it's the kind of thing that luke needed in that moment it's it's mm -hmm. kind of like obviously luke skywalker knows that he's heard that at some point before in his life like this is not a new concept but yoda told him what he needed to hear in that moment all right, I'm going to go back and recount to argue with you guys about this whole Skywalker thing. And by the way, way too many rings in this movie. <laughs> way too, honestly, I, I, I know, I, I know, like, seriously, I know Carrie Fisher was like, I want space jewelry. And that was a big deal for, for her. And it, I think he took it to the nth degree in this movie. And I literally will be so happy when I don't have to see rings and like jewelry on people anymore because he went way too much on this with the luke thing i think what what's the what's there's so much to, to debate again this is the problem with that scene i don't i don't think the inter anyone's interpretation is necessarily wrong that's the problem is that there's way too much to interpret there's nothing definitive about anything because one the way he show he doesn't you don't know the full extent of what luke is doing because he doesn't tell you you just assume your your point of view right and that's kind of the problem is that he shows up with kylo ren sleeping do we know he was sleeping do we know that luke knew he was sleeping or not we don't There's well he says he went to confront him yeah but it, it doesn't say but he was sleeping so i was like oh I'll come back or i, I want to well he doesn't mind. say that but if you ryan Do but, johnson doesn't beat you over the head with it he doesn't need to spell everything out have, but Here's a problem, Kyle. When you have a defining moment like that, that's going to define the character for 30 years, if he's going to go into exile or not, you should get your things pretty clear. And there's nothing clear there. He just says, I want to go confront him. And then he goes, then I read his mind. And then he's going to bring down everything I love. He doesn't say he's going to destroy Leia. He doesn't say he's going to destroy Han. Well, that would In be fact, something that he loves. Right. But here's the, but what does he do when he tells Chewie in the very beginning of the movie? He says, where's Han? He doesn't go, oh, that kid did it. I knew it. He doesn't say that. He doesn't admit, because he would have told Ray right then, I foresaw this. He doesn't see anything. He well, knows something else could have happened to Han. He didn't have a clear premonition of everything. He exactly. Just... That's my point, though, is he doesn't know that he's going to bring him down. And he wouldn't have been. For me, again, if that was his intention, being Ryan Johnson's writing, that he would have wrote that in the script, but he doesn't. Everything is not clear, and that's the problem. 
And that's where my biggest issue with Luke Skywalker. I don't mind. God, I hate this part too. Um, <laughs> this is where, again, this is where I get really, really upset about this, this movie is that one of the most crucial parts of the, of the whole trilogy of why Luke is exiling himself. It's not definitive. There's, it'd be like, it'd, it'd be almost like if we got, uh, uh, in Revenge of the Sith, you know, or or Yoda's like, oh, I have to go into exile because I faced Lord Sidious. Well, what happened? I don't remember. <laughs> you know, or it's like, or, or it's like, I'll tell you, but you you would die. And it's like, what? Wait, wait. So what happened? Like, why? Why did you have? You know, it's like never alluding to the fact of what actually happened between Lord, uh, Darth Sidious and Yoda. You just have to know. Oh, so he kicked my butt. Well, how did he kick your butt? Oh, he kicked my butt. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, I'm being ridiculous to an extent. I understand this, but my main problem is this: it's not definitive. I know you don't spell everything out to, with a fine tooth comb, but when you have something as crucial, as crucial as something like Luke Skywalker defining why he went to exile, and you don't have it be definitive, and it's all just up to your interpretation, that's my problem. I don't care about people's interpretations of it. I just care the fact that it's not definitive and I, it's not something that we can say, okay, that's why I went there. No, no. He went and confronted his nephew and basically considered killing him in his sleep. And you could definitely interpret that as why did he go in to confront him and why, you know, he went in there basically to say, I'm going in there to potentially kill him. You could say that. No, I, I, I disagree. Think pretty clear that that. Yeah, he, he didn't. He did not that. go no. in there to kill him. He he well, like, he, you know, he even says for the briefest well, moment of pure instinct, I thought I could stop it, and then he ignites the lightsaber. He clearly tells you that that was not his plan. He saw. He he reached into Ben's mind, saw the darkness in there, and him igniting the lightsaber was a gut instinct reaction to that. That was not his plan going in. Problem with that argument, though, and I know what you're saying. I, I think in that moment, yes, he, he for the briefest moment, he thought about it right there. But the whole point of him going in there to confront him is to basically say, if the, it doesn't go my way, I have to face Ben. That's what he's doing. He's preparing himself to end Ben, period. Mm, I don't no, know about see, that. Yeah. So if it doesn't go his way, what's he going to do? Okay, Ben, you're out of here. You're grounded, mister. He's not doing that. Well, if well, Ben the, pulls out a red lightsaber and attacks him, yeah, sure, he's going to defend himself. It probably he crossed his mind. Know, we obviously know he has a blue lightsaber. He hasn't bled it yet, and he's also just sleeping, and he's whatever. Well, That's right. the whole thing. Ugh, it's just like, this is why I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually said you hate this movie. You never said that before. <laughs> I'm pretty hate, sure he said like, that before. I, I, here's the deal. I, I, I go back. I don't hate this movie. I hate that part with a passion. And I actually really like it. I can't and wait I to I can't wait to read the Kylo the Rise of Kylo Ren comic and find out more about it. I would love right. to get that story more fleshed out, but great to have I I have no problem with that characterization of Luke's character. If I have right. any like, issue if I have any issues with Luke's uh, uh, characterization in this movie it's more to his reaction to it I mean I could understand why that would send him into exile but we didn't talk about it but there's a, a moment earlier on in the movie where he says um, you know I, I came to this island to die and that's when oh you see God. really how low he is falling. This is so bad this is straight up space balls why is this in the movie <laughs> oh! 
Um, Oh my lord. But yeah, so like, so even for me, it was kind of painful to see Luke Skywalker brought that low. But then when you see why, I liked the reasoning of it and I like that backstory. It'd be kind of like this. And this is what I told a friend, and I won't, he'll remain nameless. But I remember telling them, we're arguing about Luke Skywalker, and I, I, I used a Spider Man argument. And this is what I said. The problem with Luke Skywalker attempting to kill his own nephew, regardless if he was premeditated or not, the problem is it's kind of like Spider-Man. We know him to be with great power comes great responsibility because he let he let someone go thinking that's not my problem and ended up coming back and backfiring on him. It'd be like Spider-Man doing that 20 years later or whatever, being like, you know what? I'm not going to do that even after the uncle Ben situation. And you know what would happen if that, if this was a similar situation, like with, with a spider verse or something like that, which does happen in spider verse when he tries to tell miles Morales, he says, Oh no, I, I'm not going to, you know, whatever. And mm. basically miles guilts him and he goes, Ooh, Ooh. And he realizes even old jaded Peter Parker goes, all right, I'll help you. He comes back. He comes back to character. Now the problem is, is Luke in a very definitive moment doesn't do that and that's why nope 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 he does come back to character he never actually attempts to kill ben he ignites the lightsaber and then he comes back to character and realizes no this isn't what i should be doing he goes in the first place to confront ben and what's the point again if it doesn't go well what is he prepared to do he might be prepared to do what he has to do and maybe kill him premeditated no that's not no no No, going in and saying hey if this guy tries to kill me i'm going to defend myself that's not premeditated murder again not definitive he doesn't say well you know he doesn't say like well if he doesn't because he hasn't done anything wrong even when he reads his mind so he literally right so again he he doesn't Ah! actually try to kill him he doesn't do anything except ignite the lightsaber which he admits was pure instinct it was a reaction to all the darkness he saw in ben but goes in to confront him what's he gonna do and say i sense darkness in you yeah probably try to bring him back yeah what else would a jedi master do they would sit you they would sit you down and go hey i've felt some darkness in you lately tell me what's going on the additional line that says, I go to confront him because I see if I can try to turn it, you know, the change is hard. But no, he goes into like, does it really mind. need to be said, though? I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, why, knowing the character of Luke Skywalker, why would you assume that I went to confront him means I went to premeditated I murder him? Skywalker, I wouldn't think he would actually turn on his lightsaber and try to murder his own nephew in his sleep either. So, I mean, there you go. <laughs> I yeah, mean, we could so, talk about this all uh, for the rest of the movie if we yeah, want. Yeah, well, yeah, we're we're about to get to the throne room battle, so we're gonna have to, you know, pause this and maybe we'll, you know, do some final thoughts on it at the end of the movie. God, but this stuff is so. This stuff is just. Oh God. <laughs> because anyway, so, we like, talked about all this right over, you know, the the mutiny, like right now. Ray bringing Kylo before like, Snoke. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Kyle. I'm sorry. Um. I warned you guys. I warned you. Oh, hey, this is what we were looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We, everybody's probably listening to this, chomping on their popcorn right now, going, this is what we came here for. Yeah, so many people probably yelling at me, like, that guy's an idiot. 
which is fine. Eh, I, you guys, there's probably also it. a lot of people agreeing with you if, if you know, the general reaction to this movie has been any indication. Yeah. I mean, you're it's right. It's not all. <laughs> it's not all divided between people who blindly love the movie and you know trolls who hate it because there's a lot of women in it like there are a lot of people who have legitimate issues with this movie and a lot of people who love it for good reasons and a lot of in between like you don't have to love it or hate it and not everyone who loves it is a disney shill and not everyone who hates it is a a troll or a hater or whatever like there's so much gray area to the discussion surrounding this movie and people are so quick to categorize it as just one thing or the other Asma brought in way too late in this movie. She should have had a presence somewhere on the on the Star Destroyer, Snow on Snowship, She's obviously. In this movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Sorry, Tim. I did. I was mean. How dare you, Paul? <laughs> no, I'm just. Leia's See, awesome. That... Yeah, See, this that... is like the kid acts up, and Granny walks in in her pajamas and shoots him. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. This one's trouble. I like him. Even though he threw a mutiny at me and everything. <laughs> no big deal. Why? Well, again, this is where like they're, they're like lifting the blindfold off of Poe and off of the audience going, oh, see, Holder was a good guy the whole time. And it's like, <laughs> you could have just told us that from the start and avoided this whole mess. oh boy it's so it's just like no you can't that line is indefensible it's so bad (gasps) should i try to defend it paul (laughs) honestly do you actually do you actually like that line honestly i don't i won't say i like it it's a take it or leave it line for me yeah same here i don't hate it if you were to defend it in a way it could be not in this situation that the resistance is now, but they will need someone like that in the fight against the First Order yet to come. They're going to need guys like Poe. That's true. Who, right. who are passionate about the resistance. No, you're absolutely right. But you also, again, I don't disagree with that. It's the line. It's the line. I don't have an issue with the line. You know what I absolutely love, though, that we haven't talked about yet is Andy Serkis's performance as Snoke in this movie. They oh, took yeah. him from... You know, just a hologram shadowy guy in The Force Awakens who didn't really do anything to like he really gets some good material to work with in this movie. Um, Obviously, the fact that we get to see him in the flesh. But and I think they they redesigned the character a little bit. I know they they kind of made some tweaks to his face and uh, to his eyebrows and stuff. But he just looks it's like very subtle, but it makes him look so much more menacing and just like captivating to watch um and he really just gives a great performance even though he doesn't get a whole lot to work with um and obviously exits sooner than we were all expecting and we still unfortunately don't really find out about his backstory or where he came from or or sort of his role in all this like what his plans are how he created the first order all this kind of stuff i wish we had found out more about um but i think given what he's given to work with, he does a phenomenal job. Yeah. I, I, I actually really like Snoke and the, the, uh, the design, like you said, the redesign, the performance, it's, um, it's been really great. And, uh, it's again, it's a shame. It's, it's a shame, but maybe a good thing that he dies in this movie, but 
I, I, you almost wish you got another fight scene somewhere. Mm-hmm. It, it, because again, circus and the, and the performance and the, and the animation, everything looks great. And I, I don't rumors have going to swirl around if we're going to get a uh, Snoke reveal. And I can't wait because I feel like there's going to be something with the Emperor, obviously, involved. I don't think there's a coincidence that this guy's super powerful. But that was my always my problem with Snoke is that, oh God, this. Okay, really fast. This part right here reminds me of Ghostbusters and Lewis Tully when he's trying to hit the glass door, <laughs> like and try to get in, and then the tear dogs behind him. That when Poe does that scene, it remind it always reminds me of that scene from the same like shot from his back, and he's he pounds the glass. Actually, that's true. What are you gonna do? Like jump out the window? It, anyway, I I'm, not, I'm just I just for, I always think of that scene, but but anyway, but yeah, I I just. One of the things that always bug me is how okay, what does Snoke deal? What's his deal? Because he just shows up out of nowhere and he's super powerful and trains Kylo Ren. It just doesn't really add up. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Emperor is somehow behind some, I'm assuming a lot of this makes a lot more sense. And I'm oh, wondering yeah. how how Snoke is connected. If you guys already know, I've been spoiled. Don't tell me. But oh, I have no, no I idea. So I that's don't, what, I'm, but I'm I could just say I just cannot wait to hear. Palpatine in the Rise of Skywalker just explain everything as far as like this was all part of his plans. No, yeah. the First Order. It does. We I don't mean, know how they're connected yet, but it's gonna be great to hear. I don't know how much detail he's gonna go into yeah. about Snoke and the Rise of the First Order and everything because I'm not expecting him to just sit there and give an expository monologue. But I do hope that Palpatine at least mentions Snoke and the First Order and yeah, like I said, just tells will. us how his whole plan came together. Yeah, I, my biggest fear of um, the rise of Skywalker, which is, comes out next week, and I, I'm hyped. I've muted everything I can for words of, of on Twitter to not be spoiled on, on that movie. I am trying to go in as completely spoiler free. I've avoided almost all TV spots. I've just gotten like this little bit, little clips of things where I close my eyes as soon as it comes on. TV spots, scenes. Everything I can stick. <laughs> Deleted scene where she bites Hux is one of the also worst things I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god, it reminds me of a uh, Big Trouble Little China, but like it's way better than that movie because it's actually supposed to be ridiculous funny. Anyway, um, if you yeah, Hux movie, is you know. Hux is Hux. I don't know. He's uh... yeah, but 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 anyway. But as as I was saying though, um, I I'm really excited and I and I I firmly believe that if it's if the rise of skywalker can somehow stick the landing for me and end quote unquote end the saga on a on on the right note of this move you know for or whatever i say quote unquote because i don't think it's gonna be the end to be honest um uh that being said if it can somehow stick the landing well i i think i will accept this movie more to be honest so it's uh, I, I'm really excited. And I don't think we should. Uh, I know we'll talk more about that, probably about that in the movie. But again, Snoke, all that stuff. I mean, I, I hope it's revealed in the movie and not necessarily like a, what do you call it? A, a, you know, read this comic or read this novel about why Snoke. You know, I take that too and, and to explain more, but I don't want it to be just like, you know, we don't, it doesn't, it don't explain it in the movie. I would want something in the movie to kind of give me something. You know yeah. what I mean? I also want some Snoke explanation in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, but I think you've yeah, got to have yeah, a little bit, at least a little bit of an explanation in the Rise of Skywalker as well. I do like how in this sequence here, Snoke is surprised, but 
finds it funny how him and Luke wanted the same thing for the Jedi to end. <laughs> you now he says, I never realized Skywalker was so wise. Well, mm-hmm. we'll give him and the Jedi the death that they deserve or they want. <laughs> Just the fact that he was so worried about Luke being out there would bring the Jedi back. In fact, Luke being out there <laughs> was having no effect on that where he was doing exactly what he wanted. But the turn of events obviously didn't go exactly how we planned, but I just think it was funny how he was worried about Luke being the free back the Jedi, but yet Luke's intention was not to. Yeah, that's I, true. I, I, I got really irritated that the Star Wars marketing or whoever's in charge of marketing yeah. teasers put that scene in the mm. freaking teaser. I mean, <laughs> yeah. seriously, yeah. just ridiculous because here's the deal. Imagine not knowing that scene was coming. And her picking it up, like, holy crap. Like, that that would be, like, a mind-blowing moment. Even though she loses it, like, two seconds later, you for a second would think, oh, my God. You know, I mean... It's, Although it's, I will say on, the, the teaser set my expectations like way higher than what that actually panned out to in the movie. Because you see that in the teaser and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, does she go to the dark side? Does she kill Kylo Ren and take his lightsaber? Like, you know, just seeing Rey with a red lightsaber, it's like, what? Um, and then it's like, oh, she just you know, grabbed Kylo's to try to fight the guards and Snoke immediately took it back. Um, well, but yeah, we'll I, I agree. They, her... they shouldn't have put that in the TV spot. We'll see if she holds on to her red double blade lightsaber longer than she had in Kylo's cross guard. Yeah, we'll see. In the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but I love this scene, great. by the way. Yeah, yeah, I know. And some people said that they thought this was dumb or it was predictable no. or, or just that they hate that Snoke got killed off and we never got to know his backstory. Like, and again, I'm still all for some Snoke backstory. I want to know his, uh, you know, more about his character in retrospect. But this was just such a cool surprise, you know, not yeah. knowing which direction they were going to go with Kylo Ren's character. Um, and you've seen him struggling the whole movie under the weight of Snoke's expectations and uh, just the pressure to live up to what Snoke expects him to be. Um, and then, you know, he's not going to kill Ray right there, but seeing the way that he was able to, uh, kind of trick Snoke, you know, using the force and of course Snoke's own hubris is kind of his downfall. Cause he doesn't even think like, I, I feel like if, if he had been more observant, he easily could have seen that coming because we know how powerful he is, but he was just, I think he got so caught up in his own grand plan and his own victory, um, that as soon as he catches any hint that Kylo Ren is going along with what he wants him to do, he's like, yep, yep, this is it. He's going to kill her. And then he's like, oh, whoops, wrong lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, everyone kind of complains about the subverting expectations aspect that this movie has. And to a degree, like some I probably agree with, but that one with the death of Snoke was not expecting it. But in the end, I think it's a brilliant move for what it does for kylo as a character and for him becoming the supreme leader now of the first order i was not expecting that at all but just mm-hmm. the idea of that now being a reality that we're going to see in the rise of skywalker just has me so excited to see him as the leader as something that vader couldn't achieve but his grandson could achieve to ruling technically the galaxy the first order is in power and kylo is in charge of it it's just That's great true and this whole sequence here i mean to me, it's we're seeing Star Wars history where the light and the dark side are fighting together as one in the sequence. I think this is something really cool and special about that, even if it is for a brief moment, obviously, what happens at the end. But just seeing this on screen for the first time, I just 
couldn't love it anymore because of what it represents for the force and the light side and the dark side coming together in this moment. There is something really cool about that. Mm -hmm. This is a, a, a great scene. And again, I had no idea this was necessarily coming and I was really surprised. And I loved it. I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah. yeah and just the choreography it, it, and the visual of the whole room burning down around them. Yeah, um, I mean, I you're right, Tim. Like, it, guards are great. It's cool for what it represents as like seeing uh, the light and the dark side fighting together for the first time. I mean, we've seen like Obi-Wan and Ventress team up in Clone Wars before, but it's the first time that we've had our main yeah. protagonist and our main villain in a movie fighting together in the same scene before. Um, but also, it's just a really cool fight scene, too. Um, like I said, great visuals, great choreography. Um, and seeing the two of them take on, you know, multiple opponents like this is uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I think that the scene is I love the Praetorian Guards. I love their, their their designs, even though I don't love every design in this movie. I love a lot of the designs. I guess I like everything outside of Canto Bight, like or, you know, everything around Canto Bight. And then in Canto Bight, I think is pretty much bad. Um, but I love the Praetorian Guards, even though it's this uh, fight scene has been depicted to death to like why it's bad or whatever. I still love it. I think it's yeah. great. Like, mm -hmm. And like you said, Tim, like it, the light and dark teaming up is a great again, something subverting expectations This is where you could subvert expectations and it makes sense. Ryan Johnson. So, again, kudos to Ryan Johnson for doing something really cool. Yeah. And then I love the moment here where, you know. Uh, Kylo Ren turns against Snoke, he kills him, he teams up with Rey, they have this big fight, and you're thinking, oh, maybe she's finally gonna get through to him, but then his immediate next thought is, I'm gonna rule the First Order, I'm gonna rule the galaxy, Rey, come on, join me, like, and she's thinking he's gonna come to the light, but instead he's trying to get her to go to the dark. And I love that, where it's his Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader gene kicking mm -hmm. in right there, doing the same thing Anakin did to Padme and Revenge of the Sith, Vader did to Luke in the, the Empire Strikes Back. It's just great. That whole thing about Star Wars being poetry and it rhymes. This is where it works really good. And I love that aspect of Star Wars movies when they do that here, when it works as well as it does right here. Yeah. And then, of course, him telling her about her parents that, you know, they were nobody and that this quest that she's been on this whole time to find her place and to find her parents and her family that it's all for nothing. Now, of course we'll see in the rise of Skywalker, if that's actually true or if he was just telling her that to try to get her to join him. Um, or again, if it's maybe more of like a, I mean, maybe he's straight up lying to her or maybe there's just more to the story than either of them realize. And he's legitimately telling her what he thinks to be true. Um, but I, I mean, they've hinted pretty heavily that we're going to find out more to that side of the story. Um, in Rise of Skywalker, so we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, I think it's safe to say you and me, Paul, we're not fans of that reveal sitting in the theater for the first time and <laughs> hearing that, the word nobodies. But, you know, it's funny. As much as I'm hoping the Rise of Skywalker adds to Rey's history and that she has more significance than just being you know, the child of two drunkards, I when this movie came out and seen it a bunch of times, over the course of the years, I came to accept it where this is the way they're going with the story and there could be some cool reasons for why that could work. I was starting to accept it. But now with the Rise of Skywalker, it's got me thinking, oh, so maybe there it could be more significant and I'm getting my hopes up again and I don't want to get them too high so that I'm disappointed like I was when I saw this for the first time as far as her reveal is coming from nobody. But 
I don't know, it's going to be interesting where it goes, but it was just something I remember in the theater for the first time being deflated, like, uh, all those conversations we've had, <laughs> mm-hmm. her heritage, and hopefully that she has some significance of the Skywalker bloodline and all that, or just through the force, just came crumbling down there, but it's not over yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, lo- I don't love the nobody thing. It's just a straight nobody. I hate the thing of like, or the nobody, anyone could be a Jedi. It's like no, not everyone can be a Jedi. Not everyone can be special. I hate to break it to you. That's just not how it works. You know, I mean, not everyone can be Michael Jordan. If that was a the case, there would be no Michael Jordan. They'd all be yeah. the same person. So oh, now you're starting to that- sound like Syndrome. Who? Who's that? Obviously, oh, from the a... uh, the Incredibles. Oh, basically his master plan is to make every, give everybody superpowers, so then nobody will be a superhero. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's whatever. God, I hate rings. Um, so <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I just there's too much jewelry in this movie. But um, this scene. Just, I remember watching this in the theater for the first time, and when the sound cuts out and everybody's just sitting there, you can hear everybody around the theater going "Whoa!" Yeah. And then just that shrieking explosion sound when it comes back in. Um, then just, I, I think this is one of the most well executed parts of this movie. And to people who are like, "Oh, well, this breaks Star Wars," because now how come everybody didn't do this? Well, maybe they didn't want to sacrifice an entire star cruiser every time they wanted to blow something up. And if you're going to say like, Oh, why didn't they do that to the death star? Well, that was, this is a ship ramming into a bigger ship. If you rammed that into the death star, you would just leave a hole in it. <laughs> I see. I didn't realize there were complaints about that, but I, oh, yeah. I shouldn't be surprised. There's a lot of complaints about, about people about saying, you know, oh, this, that completely breaks you know, the, the physics of star Wars or whatever, because now, or it's a plot hole because how come they've never done that before? How come you can't win every battle by just hyperspace ramming a ship into whatever you're trying to blow up? And I'm like, I don't know, shut up and enjoy it. It's the first time somebody thought to do something that cool. It's the first time for everything. This is a little BBA gag. I did like seeing him pilot the Walker there. (laughs) It's a fun visual, but it's short, but I still think it's a pretty sweet fight between Phasma and Finn here. And just seeing that blaster bounce off her armor is so cool. Just mm-hmm. showing how great that armor is. Not just looking cool, but it actually works as yeah. being armor. <laughs> Phasma and Mando, wearing armor that protects you from stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and even though she wasn't in this movie much more than she was in The Force Awakens, I am glad we did get an action sequence with Phasma. Because the, if we got two movies with her in it, and one of the coolest looking Star Wars costumes ever, and we don't see her in action, it would, just, would have been even more of a disappointment. But mm-hmm. I am thankful for what I got. But I love the shot here coming up after she knocks him down. She just turns and fires her blaster. This looks so cool. <laughs> yeah, I would have preferred the deleted scene we got. That was so much I would better. too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he, get, he, I am it, 100% joking. No, I see. I, I think it adds to more of her character for what she's really like, scared of the truth of, you know, coming out of what she really did on Starkiller Base. Because yeah. It was explored in the comic that she had that miniseries, but, just how paranoid she was and not anyone hey, finding out about it. Tim, I don't mean to cut you off here, but that CGI behind the Finn there is so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. I'm sorry. It was, it's like, here's the problem. It's like, 
all this really dramatic stuff, and it's like so quiet when he talks to her. There's all this destruction around. It's just it just looks really weird. People complain mm. about how like the prequels look bad and whatever, but I think that looks worse than anything on Revenge of the Sith, bar none. I'll take Dexter Jetster CGI over that right there. <laughs> to be honest, I've never really picked that one as far as it being anything awful that stood out to me. Yeah, me <laughs> I just watching the movie as much time as I've had since it's been out. But. And just it's just that itself just looked weird to me. And there's good CGI on here. Don't get me wrong. Oh, just great that CGI. Scene, <laughs> yeah, but the problem is that particular scene just looks odd. Yeah. Now, I like this scene here. I don't really care for Hux as a character in general, mostly just because they haven't really done anything useful with his character yet. But I do enjoy the rivalry and the dynamic between him and Kylo Ren. And, you know, he sees Snoke dead. He sees Kylo on the ground and his first instinct is just to reach for his blaster and he's going to execute him. And it's not like getting revenge like, oh, he killed Snoke, so I'm going to get him. It's like, hey, Kylo's lying on the ground. Yeah. And nobody else is around. I could just get rid of this guy and nobody would know. Like, and Snoke's not going to be mad because he's dead. See, I don't even know why Kylo had to lie there and say the girl killed Snoke. He could have said, I killed him. I'm in charge now and do it exactly what he does here and force yeah. choking. Huck's right there and saying he's a supreme leader. <laughs> I mean, I could maybe see again, we still don't know a whole lot about like the structure of the First Order and how Snoke started the whole thing, but I could maybe see that maybe among some people in the first order, if they knew that Kylo murdered Snoke, that that maybe wouldn't sit well with some people, or there might be some people that were like loyal to Snoke that would want to try to challenge him for power. Where if, if he pinned it on Ray, then he's just kind of, because he was like Snoke's apprentice, then he's kind of just the most, the next logical person to take over. I guess. But this movie has some of, the best new creature design in Star Wars. The Vultex, mm-hmm. they look amazing. Yeah, I, I do like those them. a lot. Oh, great. This, this was feels weird. After their great climactic moment between Rey, Kylo Ren, and Snoke and all that, the movie just takes a weird turn right here. Right? I, yeah, I don't know. See, I really like Crate in the final action tickets we got. There's just one big problem with it. Ray is just pushed to the sidelines exactly. for like a mm-hmm. good 20 minutes. Our main hero and protagonist is just off. <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't see her until she comes in the Falcon and just says that one line. And yeah, she's like, this. <laughs> My wife, uh, she, my wife hates this movie too, and she doesn't like Star Wars. She, she, she does not like this movie. She and she rips this movie to shreds, and <laughs> and that's the thing too. Me. Like, it's not just Star Wars fans who had certain expectations that don't like this movie. Because I have friends too that are like just casual fans or just moviegoers or you know family members that you know I'll talk about the Last Jedi and they're like, which one's that? And I'm like, oh, it's you know the most recent one that came out with Ray and Luke and whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, I didn't really like that one. Um, but the, the problem I have or the problem here is that like, like what Tim said, she, you know, well, by the way, what I was trying to say was my wife and I, you know, we'll, we'll joke around and when we, we like start with something with Ray comes up, we'll, we'll one of us will say a lot <laughs> from that movie. Um, it, yeah, it's just how we do it. Um, but the problem is when she's sidelined, there's not, it's not just that. They're the they when they bring out the speeders here in a few minutes, there nothing happens. Like they do nothing. They're just flying around, being picked off. 
But I think and, that's kind of the point of it, though, where they're so desperate, they have nothing, but yet they're making a stand anyway to do what they can. You know, those speeders aren't going to do anything. But again, but, but, there's, but it just feels, it just looks boring at this point. Like, there's no there's no threat. Or there's no, like... Well, the threat, threat is the big battery ram cannon work. that's going to that try to blow down word. the door. And they're trying, I mean, they're not just flying around doing nothing. They're trying to get to that. Like I just want I just want something more like a battle where it feels like they're just getting their their butts handed to them and it's like okay they do I, get their butts handed to them yeah I kind of like that I mean I think that I was know, that was the whole point on, now I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm with you I want to see a whole movie though I want to the whole movie I want to see a battle between the first order and and the resistance where the resistance actually has a chance to win but in this case they don't like what are it, they gonna do against it's not you know, hot. Those, and those, again, it basically is Hoth. No, it, no, but here's the problem, though. These things are even more useless than the speeders. At least the speeders are actually doing something. You actually see them do something constructive. Give me, give me something. This is just like them just being. Oh, look how worthless they are, and how that they're they're they need Luke Skywalker to come in and save them. It's see, like, well, the yeah, point, they though. do. That's I the point. It, but it's just, this it's, it's just again. It just seems worth. This whole seems worthless to me. It, it, again, mm. I like. I like. They look great. They actually have good designs. But again, I don't. I wish they had more. They had more impact of just being picked off. And I just. I hate that. That's well, coming me. from someone who's a fan of the Empire and the First Order is obviously a remnant of the Empire. Seeing them just dominate this battle, <laughs> I had no problem with that. Just so seeing the Walker show how dominant they are just mowing down all these speeders so but again i think the real point of it like you said through the whole movie is showing how desperate the resistance is and how small it is and just how important it was for luke to come back and do what he did and what leia hoped he would do when she was wanting to find him in the first place and he did exactly that when things were at the most dire for the resistance and this battle i think perfectly shows that just how they're so outmatched and there's nothing they can really do at this moment to stop the first order from wiping them out, and this battle clearly shows that they had no shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, there's just, it's just this is just to me, it's just it's pointless. And I, I, again, I know that's the whole I point. I disagree with I, it being pointless, but <laughs> I, I, but well, I mean, like, because you already they, they go out there and it's like, oh, let's go out there and we're, we're even more wiped out. It's like, give me, I gotta make more. a last stand though, <laughs> and they yeah, had. But, Make it worthwhile at least, because there's nothing worthwhile here. It's just getting destroyed, and it's like it's great. We've been they've been getting destroyed this whole freaking movie. And again, Empire, at least you get an idea that the the Rebel Alliance was capable of doing something. Whereas again, these ski speeders just go off and like just be chased around. Oh, here, here's my favorite part. <laughs> But I love Kylo's line, though, just yelling at to shoot that piece of junk out of the sky, mm-hmm. just showing his hatred for that ship now. <laughs> Oh, here we go. Here we go. Where is it? Come on, Ray. Where are you? <laughs> here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, woo! I like this! <laughs> oh. You oh, see, it just feels a little off because she just had that emotional moment with Kylo. True. It's, it's almost like she forgot all about it, where she's just all so happy and excited to be shooting out of the turret of the Falcon. I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it just feels a little too soon to be that excited and happy in this battle. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I would kind of agree with that, but at the same time, it's just fun seeing the Millennium Falcon shooting down Tie Fighters again. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about that. On this sequence here in the caves is great. Oh yeah, going out with the classic music. Yeah, it's great. 
the so, yeah, I, I like, a little I really enjoy this battle a lot. You got the stuff with the Falcon, and even though the ski speeders don't do anything, like you said, Paul, I still enjoy just seeing TIE fighters and the walkers doing what they do. And there's that great sound effect moment where you just hear the TIE fighter just shoot a barrage of lasers in that trench with the soldiers there. It just mm-hmm. sounds awesome. And, of course, it wouldn't be one of our commentary episodes if we didn't talk about a big battle from a movie, and I mentioned how much fun it is playing that in Battlefront 2. <laughs> Crate is way better in Battlefront 2 than in the movie. I do wish we got this. Well, I, I probably do have more fun playing the battle in the movie than, or in the in the game than watching it in the movie. But I enjoy it in the movie too. I do wish we got more soldiers versus soldiers on the ground. I said mm-hmm. that for the Battle of Hoth too, and I was kind of hoping in this movie we'd get it, but still nothing. Yeah, I mean, you get the ground soldiers on the resistance side, but. Yeah, we don't see him fighting the First Order soldiers. Yeah. That's not what I want to see. See, I, I just love seeing the what are the AT, ACTs, right? No, it's uh, ATM-6. That's, oh, the, AT, yeah, AC, the ACTs were Rogue One, right? Yeah, that's in Rogue One. That's it. Okay. So I just love seeing them mow down those spears. <laughs> and then, of course, Poe you know, finally learns his lesson here about knowing when to pull back and, and preserve the lives of your troops instead of just, you know, going after all like out for the objective. 90% are already. Uh, yeah. After most of them already wiped out. And then Finn's the <laughs> one mean, that's like, no, I'm going to go for it. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but let's be real. Now, <sighs> this moment, seeing it in the theater for the first time, I was like, oh, snap. Are they really about to kill Finn? Like, I did not expect that, and I didn't want it to happen. I mean, I like the character of Finn, and I did. I wasn't like, oh, yes, Finn's finally going out. But the way that they set this up, I was like, oh, man, this would actually, like, I would be sad, but I think this would be a good moment for his character if he ended up being the one to sacrifice himself uh, for the Resistance. Um, and I kind of have mixed feelings about how this all plays out, because you see his his ship already starting to peel. I mean, he's got guns on the end and then he can't fire his guns into the cannon. Cause you know, the guns are like the first thing to go and his ship is just like getting torn apart. He's going to fly right down the barrel. Um, and Rose comes in and saves him. And of course, part of me is like, Oh, you're so stupid. He was about to accomplish the thing that you guys set out to do in the first place. Like let him sacrifice himself for the cause. But I have heard some people say that, like, if he just kept going, he was just going to die. Like, his ship probably would have fallen apart before he got there. Um, and I, see, Paul, I, this is where I'm kind of with you on this. That's one thing where I maybe would have liked to get, see it a little more clearly defined because you it's kind of up to your interpretation. Because the way that they set it up, it certainly seems like he's going to be the hero and, and destroy it. And Rose stops him from doing that. And it's like... Okay, you did that, what, for a kiss? Like, because you liked him? When, again, he was willing to sacrifice himself for the entire resistance, I think she should have just let him do it. But at the same time, you know, if there was some futility there, if he was going to fail in that anyways, like, I don't know, maybe make that more clear somehow? Regardless, I think this is dumb. Like... I will say, too, I think for Rose, she already lost her sister doing the ultimate sacrifice for the resistance. And probably the next closest person that she has after once her sister gone was Finn and she didn't want to lose him too. So I can understand where she's coming from for not wanting to lose 
someone else for a sacrifice for the resistance side in the end, you know, might not have meant much anyway if he did sacrifice himself that way. Yeah, I don't know. It's just and then her line where she says that's how we're going to win, not by uh, destroying what we hate, but saving what we love. It's like that's what Finn was just trying to do was, you know, it wasn't him taking out anger on the first order. He was trying to save everybody. That's a good point, too. <laughs> but, of course, we needed a giant hole in the door for Luke to walk through. So, And, obviously, I loved the way that this is all resolved when Luke comes in and everything. I'm just saying the way they got there is a little shaky. Not to mention the fact that Finn and Rose are now crashed on the ground right in front of the First Order walkers. And, you know, the fact that they let them walk all the way back to the base and nobody took them out is a little ridiculous. <laughs> but say what you want about Luke in this movie. I think this is absolute perfection mm-hmm. for Luke reuniting with Leia here and we didn't know at the time that it was a force projection so that even knowing that it still works beautifully in my in my opinion but this there this interaction between them two is, is so great so emotional I mean this is I think the moment where you just really get hit in the feels <laughs> just yeah. thinking about all the history they've had in the original trilogy it's just oh, I just love it so much yeah, it, I knew I knew something was off when Luke, you know, takes off his robe and he's all like neatly shaved and or trimmed. And I went, this is different. I knew immediately something was off and it wasn't what it seemed. But I, but I didn't mind. it. I actually don't mind the force projection at all. Again, I like some of a lot of the elements of this movie. And. I think this is a all this stuff is great. I love the talk between Kylo Ren and Luke. Again, I like the idea that that Luke is apologizing to Kylo Ren and he says, you know, blah, 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 and he gets all mad at him or whatever. And I get it. Like I, that stuff is great. I don't like the reason for it, but I like what I get like performances and I like again the reactions and whatnot. So I think this is all great stuff. It's a shame that Ray has to be sidelined in the process. Yeah, I would love it mm-hmm. if she's here witnessing this moment and just kind of Luke, yeah. like acknowledging her, like, yeah, I'm back. Kind of, you got me back or help get me back to this point here. But, but I also don't mind it. Like, it would have been cool if there were a way to work Ray into this, but. I mean, Ray. Ray will get her moment in the Rise of Skywalker for sure, and obviously we know that there's a big confrontation between her and Kylo coming. Um, but I feel like she and Kylo had their moment, and as much as you know, they've they've talked about Luke and how this isn't his story anymore, and he's passing the the torch to the next generation. I feel like we needed this moment between just Luke and Kylo, especially after what we've seen. You know, the the flashbacks. Uh, building up the backstory between him and Kylo throughout this movie um, to finally get some resolution between these two characters and for Luke to not just come out and face the First Order to to buy time for everybody and save the Resistance and whatnot, but this is also sort of the resolution of his character arc where he is facing his own demons and confronting his nephew again, who's the reason why he went into exile in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as... Ray versus Kylo is kind of the central conflict of this trilogy moving forward. Like they're taking a moment for Luke and Kylo to address their past that Ray really has no part of. Yeah. I think they could have still done that where she could have said, well, we'll fight Kylo together. He could have said, no, this is something I have to do alone. And she would acknowledge that and respect that and help get the resistance out of there. But I don't know. 
it just it just feels strange that our main protagonist is is just gone <laughs> for all this pivotal moments right here that we're seeing. I mean, I agree, but at the same time, like for me, just watching this right here, it doesn't feel like Ray needs to be in it. It's more just when the fact that when you point out that like, hey, the main character in the movie is nowhere to be seen. It's like, huh, yeah, you're right. That's weird. But like watching the interactions play out, it doesn't feel like it's missing anything because Ray's not there. I I would disagree to an extent only because I think that, again, for this scene particularly, you're right. Kyle, you don't need her, but I think in a movie that is about her, if if it's about her, because that that's what I also would argue. Kylo Ren is basically almost a, the main character too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a very I mean, good point. Yeah, too. I mean, and, 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 and that's the problem. But see, that's the problem. There's not a definitive who's in, who's on first, who's on, you know, kind of who's. I think Ray and Kylo are kind of opposite sides of the same coin. I agree, but but the problem is I think that but what I'm trying to say is I don't think you write this scene necessarily the same way and you could write it with her in it. It's, but this how it plays out right here specifically, yeah, it, you don't include her, but you could. You very well could have, but or done something a little bit different. Um and I think it it might have served the the purpose of Ray a lot better. But again, that's not necessarily their you know, or Ryan Johnson's aim is that aim was the right movie that he wanted to write. So, which again is both good and bad, in my opinion. Talk about love a that beautifully shot here. sequence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember getting home from this movie and the first thing I wanted to do was find, you know, some kind of screen cap or something of that image of Luke and Kylo facing each other and use that as a wallpaper or something. Yeah. I think that's probably <laughs> my favorite imagery out of all the beautiful shots in this whole movie. I did that exact same thing as soon as it became available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I could find it like the night after I got, especially the nose, this shot right here with the lightsabers where they're pointing at each other. Um, it's one of my favorite shots in all of Star Wars. And besides it, you know, my favorite lightsaber color being blue, I do love the idea that that is the lightsaber that Luke chose to represent. And I believe Ryan Johnson did say it's kind of more to intimidate kylo or to show kylo or to kind of get him aggravated because he wants to keep him distracted so the resistance can escape but if i could interpret it in my own way how i originally thought i like it how it's kind of luke coming to terms with that legacy lightsaber and kind of making up in a way for tossing it over Mm -hmm. his shoulder realizing that that was a mistake and showing the importance of what it represents and that's why he's using it again so even though we kind of got an explanation from the writer and the director, I still choose to interpret it the way I do, where it's him kind of acknowledging the significance of that lightsaber and regret for just throwing it over his shoulder. Yeah, and I think it could be some of both. Yeah. <sighs> I hate that jacket. <laughs> I like that line, though, where... It's- you know, obviously everybody's still looking at Leia to be the leader of the resistance, and she's like, follow Poe. Hey, there's R2 and Ray. Yeah, exactly. See, R2 <laughs> has more than one scene. Uh. 
So yeah, I just wish this would have happened sooner <laughs> where she finds them, goes in there, sees Luke enter the base, and then they make their escape. I get that and make it, I guess, dramatic for Ray to use her force powers like she never had before to removing those rocks. But yeah, and I, I love the, the way that it's all perfectly timed with Luke's speech at the end. That is true, too. So, again, like, that's why I think even though it is weird when you just think of it like, oh, our our main protagonist is kind of sidelined for the, the climax of the movie. Um, I just think everything is placed where it needs to be. Agree or disagree? <laughs> I, again, I, I, don't, I don't I like this. I think it could be better, including Ray, though. I don't know what that is. I'm not a creative writer in, in, in Star Wars that I, that I can do this, but um, I like this, but I think it could be also added with Ray in a different way, in the right way. But this by itself is still good. Yeah, that and I, I love this fight with Luke just dodging his attacks. You know, it's such a, you know, again, him taking lessons from Ben Kenobi now. Mm-hmm. Um it has very much that same feel of like when Obi-Wan let Vader strike him down. Like he's pacifist, uh, you know, just dodging and evading and talking to him and just letting Ben get all his aggression out. And I know this is a lot of people are still disappointed about how we didn't get that great action scene with Luke using his lightsaber. Like we never seen him before taking down the walkers with the force. And that's not really what Luke's about. Nope. It might. And learning from the training he got from Obi-Wan, like you just mentioned, and Yoda, it just makes sense that this is what he would do. And it displays more power than any Jedi we've seen display, more so than we would if he was just using the Force to knock down the walkers. Exactly. The fact he's projecting himself that far distance and having to battle that way, to me, it just makes Luke even a... He's one of my favorite Star Wars characters ever. This moment just elevates him even higher because of what he's doing here. And the fact that he's doing it, sacrificing himself to save those of the Resistance and those he loved with his sister Leia, Chewie, you know, even though he just met Rey in the Resistance, he's doing it for all these people. And it just fits so well with his character as far as doing this. And to me, it's just a great... This is where I, I sometimes think people who just hate the movie and don't like how Luke was portrayed, just forget about this whole sequence at the end. Because to me, this personifies Luke here and is that character we knew and loved from the original trilogy. Just on full, on full blown display here. (laughs) Yeah. It was just great to see. And it's not even just the Luke we knew from the original trilogy. It's the Luke who's learned both lessons. He's learned the lessons that Yoda taught him in this movie, and he's also learned more about the Force. Like, Luke in Return yeah. of the Jedi couldn't have projected himself across <laughs> no the galaxy. Um, and I love, there's a post that I saw online. It's kind of like a, you know, they did like the meme format where it's just like the text on a picture, but it was like a, a more serious post that was talking about Luke in this movie, and they it just said, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker's final act was to stop an entire army in its tracks using a force power that no one had ever seen before in a method that turned out to ultimately be pacifist. And if that's not the most Jedi thing ever, I don't know what is. Yeah. (laughs) And I saw that at a time when I was kind of having some issues with The Last Jedi and and Luke's portrayal because I've kind of gone back and forth on it over time. And I was just like, dang, you know, you're right. Like, 
as much as because and the thing too is like I love what they did with Luke in this movie, but I also just kind of wish that he was still around, you know, like I love that this like I love this as the conclusion to Luke's story, but at the same time, I kind of don't like that it is the conclusion to Luke's story, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like I still want more Luke Skywalker, but if this has to be the end of Luke Skywalker, it's a brilliant ending. Um But yeah, like and when he says, what do you expect that I'm going to walk out of here with my laser sword and face down the entire first order? Like, no, that would be ridiculous. And I know there are a lot of people that wanted to see him, you know, crushing ATATs and deflecting their blaster bolts back at them with his lightsaber. I'm like, that's like force unleashed type stuff. We've never seen that in the movies. And even though we want, right. you know, you could show Luke Skywalker being more powerful than any other Jedi we've seen before. That would be kind of ridiculous in my opinion to just have him be all out on that level. Um, and I think this is, a lot more fitting um, to see him using the force in that way and using it not to just be destructive, but to save his friends, to confront his nephew again, finally facing those past demons that he's been avoiding for so long. And the, the way that he peacefully goes out here watching the sunset, I was so excited to finally get to see more of Luke in this movie. I mean, this was the thing that I was looking forward to the most going into uh, the last Jedi after we saw like six seconds of Luke at the end of the force awakens. I was so excited to finally get more Luke Skywalker story after all these years. And going into this movie, I, that was my one thing I said, if they kill off Luke in this movie, I'm going to be mad. Like I'm going to hate this movie. If they kill off Luke Skywalker and they killed off Luke Skywalker and I liked it anyways. And so that's a huge props to Ryan Johnson to, you know, taking something that I really didn't want to see happen and doing it in a way that I was totally okay with. In the death of Luke Skywalker is something I never thought we'd see in a movie just a few years ago <laughs> when you think about when we never knew we were going to get the sequel trilogy. And the fact that we did see the death of Luke Skywalker, and I got to say, it's as perfect as a death you can get for Luke. Just the title of the track on, on the soundtrack and what Re- or Leia tells or what Ray tells Leia, how it was peace, peaceful. It was peace and purpose. I think is the name of the, the track on, on the score. Yeah. But it just, uh, I just love that scene. Luke looking out at the twin sons of Octo for a second. I thought, Oh, is he like force visioning Tatooine <laughs> for a second there? But um, the fact that it mirrors that iconic moment of him looking out at the binary sunset in a new hope, and that's the last thing he sees in the physical realm anyway. But it, the music with the force theme, the look on Luke's face, it's just, man, it hit me in the theater. <laughs> I'm not going to lie there. Didn't have tears rolling down my face, but I had the biggest lump in my throat and my eyes got watery. It's just a character that I just grew up as being one of the ultimate heroes in fiction that you just grew up loving and to see the character go out the way he did in such a beautiful way. I mean, say what you will about Ryan Johnson, but I'll never fault him for how he handled the death of one of the biggest characters ever in fiction. It was just perfect and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Why didn't uh, the robot hand clank down when he disappeared? Oh, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to do that. I don't, I never thought of it or cared, but I thought it was really funny. People like brought it up. I think Ryan Johnson even brings it up on the commentary. Huh. Does he? Yeah. Um, you know, all my problem. I want to say, I want to set up for you all what it was like leaving the theater, um, or right before I this movie was ending for the first time. 
when I watched it two years ago, thinking, "Oh, great, this is where it ends. Where where's the thing drift off?" And I'm like, "Wait, where? What the? Why are they back with these kids?" And I'm sitting here like, "What?" And when this whole thing plays out, so after like being up and down throughout the whole movie the first time, like you know, we're talking like from the the hug scene to the Canto bite ridiculousness to um, Poe and his really bad uh, X Men jacket from the nineties um, to Maz Kanata's really awful scene to you know every other thing that I didn't like or this movie Poe's characterization and then you have this kid grab a broom and start <laughs> and I totally missed like the him pull the force I just missed it him pulling the broom to himself. And I'm like, what? And then it focuses on the stupid decoder ring that he got from Rose. And I'm just like, what is this? And then it ends on this crap. Oh, my Lord. I, I literally have never left the Star Wars movie more irate than I have after when this came out. I remember I was sitting next to my brother and my wife and my friend Gregory was, uh, I think, but was he right next to me? Or I, I forgot. He might have been next to Greg. Um uh, my wife was next to Gregory, and I, just, I kept going, Gregory, what the bleep did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what was that? And I remember he was like, I don't know. And Gregory, if you knew my friend Gregory, he's like a super sweetheart, and he's he's like the quietest dude of all time. Like if you could think of like the most opposite person of my of me, it's probably him, because <laughs> he's like he's just kind of like. Meh. Like that's how he is. He admitted it. he's a great guy. He's a big Star Wars fan. We talk about you know whatever. He's he's playing Bayonet with him. He's a great guy. We um we're gonna see Rise of Skywalker together here in a couple weeks or next week, and uh, I'll never forget. And he and he even brings it up. He's like, I always remember you. Like I was be sitting away from you. And I hear us, Gregory, like, and it's like yelling <laughs> his name out, like you know. And we I remember getting out, and. Uh, and just being like, I just, I was irate. I already knew what was going to happen pretty, pretty much. And I was irate. Like, what is, what is this? And what, I can't believe this. And my brother, my older brother, I had to drive him home. Okay. So he lives about almost an hour and a half away from the theater we saw. It's a long story. And I remember like just being irate. It's just being so mad. I'm, like, I'm so mad. I'm so mad right now. I can't believe what they just did. I cannot believe what I just saw. And I remember driving up with my brother, my brother being like, oh, I kind of liked it. It was like, and this is for, he loves it now. My brother, my brother, my older brother loves Last Jedi. And I remember we were talking about that, the hug scene, right? And you know what he says? I liked it. It reminded me of Marvel. And I was like, ah! <laughs> and, 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 and I, I, right, right. And so, I, so the reason I'm, I'm telling you all this is because I set it up. So, I don't think I was on the show yet, right? I don't think I came on until no, no. that spring. Right? Okay, so so I wasn't on the show yet, officially. Though I invited myself on a number of times. Uh, <laughs> and you guys graciously accommodated me. Uh, but I'm driving home. And at this point, I had I didn't buy... Op- uh, my friend Gregory didn't buy opening tickets uh, for... Um, or opening tickets, opening night, or at the first showing. We got like a mid... Like, or, or a 10 o'clock showing. So we went to dinner... And I remember putting headphones on, not wanting to hear people's responses out. So I was just like trying to you know, tune everything out. So, but anyway, um, when we left, it was late. It was like already midnight or 1230 when we were just, it finally ended. So I had to drive my brother 
an hour and a half or almost an hour to uh, not an hour to get to his house. So I had to drive an hour there and an hour and a half back. And it's at, and this is already at midnight. And I drop my brother's just like defending the last Jedi. And I'm like, irate. <laughs> I am irate. And I'm not kidding you. Like I was swearing like crazy. I was upset. Drive my brother home. And I remember just being like, and I started getting, and when I dropped him off, I started getting really tired. And I'm like, I am really tired right now. And I called, I think, Tim, did I call you or did I text you? Maybe you texted first. I said, Tim, you want to talk about this? I got to talk about it. I got to talk about this. And you're like, yeah. And Tim wasn't exactly thrilled at the time either. Nope. But I drove back an hour and a half. And I remember when I got to, if you guys are familiar with, familiar with Seattle at all, I got to um, right past the uh, Pemco uh, Cancer Alliance building on the right when you're going south on I-5, right before, so right before you get into like the tunnel um, and on I-5. And uh, I remember, I think I told him, like I told you, Tim, I was like, I'm really tired right now, Tim. I, I think I need to keep talking to you before I fall asleep. And so I remember just like, I just stay on the line so I don't die. <laughs> and so, this was like, what, 1.30 in the morning at this point? It was ridiculous. It was like, even later than that probably. It was crazy, and I remember Tim. You were, you were. I was so thankful that you stayed up with me, so I could like talk to you because I was like, I was really out of it, and uh, just kind of let you guys kind of set you up for a little bit. And I'll let you guys all talk. I apologize for kind of going on a little, a little rant here, but uh, I, I contemplated when I woke up. Even do I even go? I bought tickets for Saturday. I bought tickets for every day of that weekend. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Thursday Friday, Saturday. And uh, I contemplated getting when I got up that morning because I got tickets super early. I contemplated when I woke up, do I even want to go to this movie right now? And not because I was tired, because I just did not want to see it. And um, yeah, so I, I forced myself. I got myself breakfast by myself. I walked and then went and saw it again. And I liked it a lot more. I still had a lot of problems with it, but I liked it a lot more. And that pretty much that second viewing is essentially it, it's kind of been up and down since then. Like I've had moments where I actually like it a lot more and I've had moments where I hate it more almost to like the first viewing level. And I basically have come to the, to the terms that I think that I, I'm more like that second viewing where there's stuff about this movie that I love. And you've heard me talk about on this on this commentary. There's stuff I really do love about this movie. There's stuff. I absolutely hate and I, you know, and it's just, it, there's no in between sometimes. And, you know, I, I pray that rise of Skywalker can, can bring it all home for me and make me like this movie. Cause you know what? I didn't love attack of the clones either. It's it, not as much as this, or I didn't hate it as much as this maybe, or didn't like it as much as this, but I, I will say once I saw revenge of the Sith, which is now my, one of my favorite movies, Star Wars movies ever. They helped me accept the first two. And now I, I'm fully blown. I, I accept those movies for what they are because the third one brought everything home and, and justified the means, in my opinion. I just hope, regardless of what happens with Ray, with Kylo Ren, and everyone, that the movie is good, that I like it, despite what I want to happen, and that it justifies the means. Yeah, I think... Even for me, and I like the movie a lot more than you do, or at least, you know, more than you did your first time through, um, I think Rise of Skywalker also has a long way to go for me and just sort of cementing sort of the legacy of the sequel trilogy overall and how we're going to look at it in the years ahead. 
Um, but I won't get into that too much because we're so we're recording this the week before the Rise of Skywalker comes out, and I'm hoping that next week the week it actually comes out that like Monday or Tuesday of that week that we'll have time to record one more episode and have it just kind of be like a, a rise of Skywalker pregame show, if you will, um, just to kind of talk about some last minute little things and our thoughts going into the movie and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, as far as the last Jedi, well, going back just real quick to the ending. Um, I know you, Paul, you just love that broom boy. Um, <laughs> I actually love that ending because when, when you see the kids playing with the little makeshift figures and he's talking about, you know, Luke Skywalker, Jedi master, like that's me as a kid. And I'm like, that's, uh, that's us fans like sharing these stories. And then, but I also love it because you're seeing that Luke's sacrifice wasn't for nothing and that it wasn't just to save the last 15 people in the resistance that were hiding in a cave, but you're already seeing that his sacrifice is having an impact on future generations and on people throughout the galaxy who know his name and hear his story and are inspired by it. So I absolutely love that. Even if it's a little unconventional to end a star Wars movie on a shot of like some random kids that were in one scene earlier in the movie. Um, but I really like the ending. And I mean, when I saw this movie for the first time, I loved it coming out of the theater. And then on subsequent viewings, I liked it less. And I've had a very kind of like you, Paul, I've had a very up and down relationship with it over the past couple of years. And I've had times where I liked it a lot and times where I was not thrilled and didn't really want to think about it or watch it. Um, but I'm definitely back on a high point right now. I still have some issues with the movie, but I like it a lot. And uh really excited to see where some of this stuff goes leading into rise of Skywalker, especially with Ray and Kylo and see how that dynamic plays out. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot to love in this movie. I love it as the conclusion of Luke's story arc. Um, love the stuff with, with Ray and Kylo and Snoke and Yoda and, uh, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, good time. Yeah. As far as the last shot goes, broom boy, I like what it's representing and what it's showing, but it just feels like it's in the wrong movie because <laughs> that feels like it could be the last shot of episode nine to conclude this, the saga of showing that the future generation is going to carry on what all the characters we've seen in the nine movies have established. But it just feels out of place to me <laughs> to end a Star Wars movie like that when it's in the middle part of a trilogy. But um, I don't necessarily hate it. It just feels strange <laughs> as the middle chapter in this uh, sequel trilogy. But for The Last Jedi as a whole, I remember seeing it for the first time, and you said it, Paul, when we talked that night, just how conflicted I was. I didn't hate it. I just, a lot of things that happened were just so unexpected, and I just almost didn't know how to feel about a lot of them. Luke, the way the stuff they did with Luke, I couldn't wrap my head, head around <laughs> right away, but with multiple viewings, and this even talking to you guys and other fans and friends about it, it just helped me appreciate more and seeing it again, what the story Ryan Johnson was trying to tell here, particularly with Luke and this characterization of him. And I just come to really appreciate it. And I think it's okay to see a character who we grew up loving, who is the ultimate hero and good guy. Cause he's still obviously a good guy, but we now know he's more flawed than maybe he was ever. I shouldn't say maybe he definitely, they did show how flawed he was more so than we ever saw him in the original trilogy. And I think that's okay to see characters. We have, or have on a high pedestal as far as ones that we looked up to as a kid and just being these cool hero characters that we love growing up and just have great memories of um, when watching these movies. So it just kind of 
it's good to see that in a character. And that to me makes it even more relatable in certain aspects. And I know that's maybe not something you look for when you're trying to escape in a fantasy movie to have a character who, you know, is supposed to represent what kind of your life is not and what you'd hope to be and to have them kind of be taken down a peg a little bit. That's not what you're going for this movie. You're trying to escape. But to me, I just think that this makes Luke a more better character Mm -hmm. to see him go through the struggle and to see him come out of it too. And again, I said that in the moment on crate, but I just think uh, that scene doesn't get the credit it deserves for showing Luke realizing what he's doing. He needed to come out of that funk he was in and to show that failure is okay and to do what he needed to do in that moment. So, and again, just what I was hoping to see in the sequel trilogy of Luke Skywalker, I did get in that final moment along with, you know, a different take on him, but one that I come to appreciate the more I, I see the movie. And I'm kind of, I'm not at that place where you guys at, where you're at when, when you watch it, you kind of have a different reaction every time. I think I've out of, I know where I'm at with this movie and I've come to love it for the stuff I really love is it outweighs the stuff that annoys me, like the humor and some of the sequences that we get in here that just don't feel right or feel a little off. The stuff I love about it just makes those other things feel less and less the more I watch it. And that's what I go to. So when I watch The Last Jedi, that's what I remember most of the stuff that I love because there is a lot of great stuff in it. And that outweighs the bad, in my opinion. So um, it's, I again, going back to the ranking aspect, I don't know yet where it, I'm going to place it. It's probably not going to be high and kind of towards the lower end of the list and maybe high end. I won't say it's the least favorite. Again, I don't know, but it's somewhere that it hasn't elevated to the elite Star Wars movies. And I know some people have it at that level and some people have it as the absolute worst. And I don't think it's that either. So it's going to be interesting when I finally do put all these movies together where The Last Jedi falls into place. But as I said in the beginning, I am happy with where this movie fits as the eighth chapter in the Skywalker saga. And I just can't wait to see how it all wraps up in a week, which is very yeah. exciting. So it's just uh, exciting times are ahead for this for Star Wars and the Skywalker saga. That's for sure. We're going to, I think we're definitely going to look at this movie in a different way. Once we see the rise of Skywalker and hopefully it's something that just elevates it, that I think each great subsequent Star Wars movie does. It just elevates the ones that comes before it. And hopefully it's the case with The Last Jedi. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with ones that cap off a trilogy, it really has the potential mm. to really make the trilogy as a whole stronger. Um, so yeah, we'll just have to see how our perspectives on this movie change over time once Rise of Skywalker comes out. Um, and there's just so much to talk about this movie. And as we were watching it, as the scene goes by, you're kind of past certain things we want to talk about. But for anyone maybe who wasn't listening to our podcast two years ago when the movie first came out, we definitely go into everything in our review episode that is oh, six yeah. hours long. So and that was before Rise- that was before Paul even joined the show. That was yep. just me and Tim talking about the the Last Jedi for six hours. So if you haven't heard you that don't. before and you want to hear us talk more in detail about this movie and hear what our initial reactions were after watching it the first couple times, yeah, definitely go check that out. Yeah, if we think we missed anything or could it expand it on certain moments or scenes in the movie, we leave no stone unturned on that episode. So <laughs> you yeah. can go and check that out if you want to hear more of our thoughts about some of the bigger moments of the movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode. Um, 
again, it's been uh, obviously this is one that I was looking forward to for a long time, and I know a lot of people were. So it was fun to finally be able to talk about The Last Jedi. And we did it, guys. We made it through all 10 existing Star Wars films, and we've got one more to go next week. Um, Also, just a note for I know a couple of you over the past couple weeks have sent us uh, emails or left comments on social media or whatever. Um, we will read those on our next episode uh, before The Rise of Skywalker. Um, just I know our last couple episodes have been commentaries, and we don't usually do those. But um, I know we got at least one email that we're going to read on our next one. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for The Last Jedi Commentary. Um, as always, if you guys want to follow us online, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. And you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com. Um, and also be sure to check out uh, thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network, um, including Faster, More Intense, where Paul and uh, well, actually, Paul and I and Tim, you were also on that recently as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about the Mandalorian. So uh, you can check that out for uh, individual episode breakdowns of the Mandalorian. And we've all been on uh, at least one or two episodes of that so far. Um, but that is going to do it for now. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed our commentary of The Last Jedi. And we will see you again next week before the rise of Skywalker. But until then, thanks for listening. And may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed Rebels! Godspeed Rebels!